Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Beer drinkers, get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters, it's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Brewcast, the session. I don't care what you call it. It's a Sunday show here on the Brewing Network. Happy to be back in our own comfy studio, and the air conditioning is even on, and that's helpful also. JP, how are you tonight? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing good. It's me and JP running the show for you today. Dr. Scott, last minute thing came up. He had to run out of town, hence the short posting of what we're even doing here today. I think uh, I posted H- it about two hours ago. H2 probably had a problem with his crown, so Doc flew out there. He had to fly Doc out to fix his teeth. Yeah. Come on, man. We don't have any dentists in Texas anymore. I need you to fly out and help a brother out. Now, Doc's got some family things happening, but we certainly didn't want to uh, make this our off week because our off week is actually going to be this Sunday after uh, the NHC. So we had to get a show done for you. And we got a good one planned for you, actually. It's kind of a nice, relaxed show today, JP. I'm happy about that. We're just going to kind of hang out. We're going to do a little anniversary recap for you here in the first uh, half hour or so. We're going to talk homebrew with JP and producer Shat. Because JP's got some homebrew going right now that we thought we'd talk about. Some good recipes. We're going to do that. And then people have been wanting an update on uh, Shat's Pliny clone, which is dry hopping. Right now, I think. Uh, Shat, you going to be ready to talk about all that? Just doing well. All right. So we're going to get uh, <laughs> Chad. just did talk about it. it. Thank yeah, you, Chad, yeah. for that segment. <laughs> Chad's a, a great broadcaster, and uh, he's, he's really, he's got a lot of potential. He's uh, up and coming. You're hearing him here first on the BN. So we're going to talk about his planning clone, because people have been asking about that. And, of course, in our anniversary recap, we'll find out where the hell producer Shat was for the whole show. Yeah. Hey, I was there. And, uh, you as, far were, as, as far as you know. <laughs> and then we'll talk about uh, some of Chad's uh, mishaps. It turns out that the anniversary party every year, because uh, Chad was with us last year, he just wasn't the producer. Yeah. Um, he 
It's like his nemesis. The anniversary party is his nemesis, and he has not conquered it yet. It's kicked his ass for two years now. Yeah. And I think it'll almost become a tradition if it happens again next year, Shad. I'm two for two. <laughs> so. Yeah, maybe in his mind he's winning. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's the end of the night. Every yeah. time. Every night. I mean, every time. You know, I mean, everyone just starts feeding you beers, and you just get a little excited, and then you're outside. Puking <laughs> on the sidewalk. All right, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We're going to do our anniversary recap. And when we're doing that, really want to hear from some of you listeners out there, not just those of you who were here at the at the party. JP, had a, you know, he was really interested in talking about what you guys did at home, too. Yeah. And I'm interested in that because I really try to set it up as best I can so that if you can't make it here, you, you get to experience as much of it as possible. So just like to know what you were doing. 888-401-BEER. Oh, that's our number, and you can reach us that way to tell us about your anniversary show experiences, and we'll tell you about ours. You can also Skype us. Uh, the Brewing Network is our name, or Brewing Network, or something. Still haven't figured that out. Two, I up- two years, man. Upgraded my Skype, finally. Yeah? The thing is that the last time I upgraded it, it stopped working. That's when I started having all those Skype issues. Right. And I loved it when I first installed it. Then they sent me some upgrade. It's been a mess ever since. It's working. Mm-hmm. But I have been having some issues with, like, I don't know. They've put in some new gates or something because it only wants to pick up audio, like, above a certain decibel. So, anyway, I'm just giving you guys a heads up to use Skype, and hopefully it'll be working fine for us if you want to check Yeah, I don't out. know what that means. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. The rest of the features are nice. Skype's a good program, man. I still like it. Uh-huh. They just, they gotta figure out this VoIP thing. And they really gotta get the bandwidth uh-huh. right. So that, uh. Um, Voice over IP? Yes. Yeah, you're using technical terms. I mean, I could call, I called Danielle on Skype. It costs like two cents a minute. You know? Mm-hmm. It's nothing. It costs nothing to call across the world. Right. Um, so it's really a great program, but they, they just gotta, I hope they keep working on it, you know? Those losers. There's more bandwidth on the internet than there is on a telephone line, so it, I don't know why it gets squashed. It doesn't make sense, but what am I? IBM? Maybe. I, I don't know these things. So anyway, you can call us that way. Brewing Network, 888-401-BEER. You can get us that way. Also on today's show, really excited to do this for you guys. I got an interview with Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head. Yeah. I've had this interview in the can, but there were some audio problems. Yeah, you did. I fixed it <laughs> as best I could. Um it sounds good. You guys are going to be able to hear everything going on. I just, I haven't wanted to make it available for download because of the audio quality issues I had. Well, I have a feeling it, it, it's it's pretty good. It's probably better than you think it is, you know? Well, it works. I did yeah. a lot of work on it today to get it going for you guys. And it's like an hour long. It's about 45 minutes, actually, with Sam. And it's really laid back. He's a good guy. We sat down. Uh, he was out here uh, late last year for a dinner. A beer dinner that we did here in San Francisco. Got to sit with him in his hotel and have a beer. And it's a very relaxed, very cool interview. He talks a lot about how the company started and what he does, and it's a cool thing. What beer were you drinking? Uh, I actually brought him. He wanted to try some things uh, from out here, so I brought him one of my favorite seasonals. I brought him Lagunitas Cappuccino Stout, mm-hmm. which I like. That's a good beer. He made you buy the beer. <laughs> I bought the beer, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Kind of weird, huh? Kind of. Well, he fed me a bunch of beer that night at the dinner. Oh, well, that's good then. Of course, I paid for my ticket. It's weird. Man, it's a wash at that point. Yeah, not really. I I think I, I think I, I think I got the short end of that stick. It was like an $80 ticket to that dinner. Wow. And how much is beer? Like, you know, 
10 cents a pint <laughs> for him yeah yeah no he was cool and uh so we, we drank a little beer and he talks a lot about uh, the whole dogfish head experience it's a cool thing so we got that coming up for you probably right around six o'clock we're gonna do uh you know like i said our anniversary wrap up um until about five thirty, five thirty-five. then we're gonna talk homebrew with jp and chat and then uh we'll do the the dogfish interview so great. Great, it's really a great show plan for you today, and everyone's yeah. going to get to relax and have a good time. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. A uh, couple of announcements for you. John Palmer, the Jamil and Palmer book, Brewing Classic Styles, is now available for pre-sale in our store. And you got two options. You can get a, a signed copy. Jamil will sign it for you. Palmer doesn't live up here, so I don't know if I can get Palmer to sign all these things. But Jamil will sign uh, every book for a little more money, because some of our listeners had suggested that we do this. I think the signed book is 1995. For twenty one ninety five, you can get a personal message. You know, whatever you want Jamil to say. You, you can have him call you names. You can have him say that, you know, I wish I was as good a home brewer as you. you whatever you want. You can make him insult himself. He doesn't care. He has no say in it. He's got to sit here with a pen for a day and write on everybody's books. And whatever you say to write, it's what goes out there. So you get a little extra. You can have a little extra fun for another couple bucks if you guys want that. And why not, you know? Jamil was funny, too. He's like, why the hell would anybody want me to, like, sign a message on there? I was like, I don't know, man. I wouldn't want a message from you. But (laughs) people ask for it, so fuck it. Put it up there. Yeah, why not, man? So he's a funny guy. But um, a lot of them sold already, so get in there while you can, you know. Go to the store right here on the Brewing Network. You can get that. Um and the two different versions. Okay, I told you guys that the FM Brewcast, which is no longer on 106.9, because 106.9 has turned into uh, KFRC, which is an oldie station. A lot of history with KFRC mm-hmm. here in the Bay Area, and they're back on that signal. So uh, they moved a few of us over to AM 1550, and we are also now streaming live my hour. There's only two shows on the entire station that also stream on the Internet. That's it? Mine and one other person's. Everything else, they have a, like a separate internet stream. Mm-hmm. They put all these amateur podcasts on there. You know, these people who do podcasts like out of their garage and stuff. Amateur hour. <laughs> uh, they like run on the internet stream uh. 24 hours. Except during my hour on Saturdays and whatever this other guy's hour is. I think it's like 5 o'clock weekdays. You know, are any of those any good? Like, no. do they, I mean, no. you know, do they? No. Okay. <laughs> That's how bad they are. No. And those are probably the best of the, the, the submissions. Yes. They weed through them. Oh, wow. That's not true. There's a couple of good ones on there, actually. I do hear a couple of things. Hmm. Funny thing about, you know, what I do is I don't listen to any podcasts. I don't download. I, that's not true. I listen to NPR. They do a five-minute news update every day, which is great. Mm-hmm. I listen to the CNN news update. Got to keep current. Yep. That's the only. I don't listen to entertainment podcasts. No. Because if I do, I just sit there. I criticize the whole time. I don't enjoy myself. I can't do it. So That's why I don't interact with people. <laughs> so you criticize yeah, them. Yeah, and then I just don't enjoy myself. Yeah, it's not yeah. fun. No. So uh, only one to stream live, my show and one other show. So that's at KU.com. The schedule changes. I'm always a couple of hours before the baseball game. So next Saturday, I'm on at 2. I will post the full schedule in the forum for you like I did the FM broadcast. i got to pull that one down, put up the new one, so everyone knows where to find us. All right. BN Army T-shirts is our next update. Everyone's asking about these. I apologize they're not in the store yet. I had some inventory control issues because the people who are selling the shirts for me lost the inventory sheet. So I've been trying to figure out how many I have and how many I sold and all that kind of crap. That and i got to take good pictures for you guys. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the shirts in the store tonight. 
I'm not going to guarantee there's going to be a picture of the shirts. So those of you who are, have already seen the BN logo and you, you know what it looks like and you know you want it, go ahead and order. They're a great shirt, man. They're awesome. And so you guys can go ahead and order. Those of you who are like me and you really want to see what you're getting, then just hang in there because I don't want to just take some crappy picture and put it up there. i got to take a good one. And it's just been taking me a little bit of time. So uh, to answer another question for you guys, uh, everyone's asking if I have triple X shirts. I do have three X shirts that are going in the store. So for you big dudes out there, I got some three X's. So hang in there for that, and I'll be putting them all in there. All right? Another update for you guys. Producer Shat now has his own email. That's right. It's, big time. It's chad at thebrewingnetwork.com. C-H-A-D, chad at thebrewingnetwork.com. So any of your complaints, well, I mean, still send me all of that crappy negative feedback because I don't know what I'd do without it. Be really bored during the week. That's for sure. Uh, so you can, uh, but anything you know, if if something went wrong in the show and you want someone to blame, Chad at yep. thebrewingnetwork dot com. If it's stuff that you want read over the air, you got to CC me. So uh, there's nothing private in Chad's inbox. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> if your wife won't put out because you're you're listening to the show too much, Chad at thebrewingnetwork.com. If your kids won't do their homework and they're dating a black guy, Chad at thebrewingnetwork.com. <laughs> I don't know. You can also get to JP. He now has his own address, JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. If you want to send money, JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. If you want to send pictures of your 18-year-old daughters, JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. So two new email addresses for you folks out there uh, that you can get in contact with us. And uh, producer Shat needs some. I guess maybe I should just change it to Shat. <laughs> Shat. I could double it up. I'll just give. I'll do them both and just forward it to the same inbox. Why not? Sounds good. All right. It'll give me a, give me some time to produce the Shat when I got to go create that account. Uh, all right. Those are the two things. And then, of course, you can always send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. And if it's any good, some of it gets read on the air. If you insult me, it almost always gets read on the air. And if you don't want it read on the air, please say so. Okay? I never read anybody's name, so you're pretty much safe. Yeah. You know. And that's the deal with our updates, JP. Everybody's all caught up now. Sounds good. Yeah. A couple of events coming up. You'll hear about those later on in the show. We can update you on that just a bit later. You know, it's been a while since I've had to man the phones, and I, I forgot that, uh, you know, the last show I did was lunch meet, so you just pick up the phone during there, but I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I should probably get that. Yeah, you got to answer. What do we, it looks like I got Motor on the phone. He's drunk of the week already. He's try, He's going for it. Motor, what's happening, man? Gentlemen, I, I was suckered into waking up at 4.30 this morning to go out salmon fishing. Oh, my oh God. yeah, that's right. And I, I'm pretty sure we were popping beers by 7 because that's when we passed under the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> well, that and you'd already been awake for four hours by then. Why the hell not? I know. And and then when we got back on the boat with no salmon and a couple really, 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 really ugly fish, yeah. first we went to Jack's at the cannery and then we went to Hooters. Oh, nice. And so now we're leaving Hooters, we're going to Zeitgeist. And I don't feel like Drunk of the Week, but I feel like I should be Drunk of the Week. Because you've been drinking nonstop all day. Tecate and delicious 21 IPA from 563 Second Street in San Francisco. Just two blocks from AT&T Park. Just two blocks. No, I didn't have anyone. And John Foster is currently uh, piloting the vehicle that I'm in. (laughs) Oh, no. And we're escaping Fisherman's Wharf where the Hooters was in our boat. i got to tell anybody who wants to have a good time. Call JP. Fun. JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. Wait, you guys didn't catch a single salmon? 
you, uh, out of 21 of us, uh, one person got a salmon. What the hell happened? Uh, the salmon were scared of us. You got, you know, you, got to, you should have baited your hooks with a can of that uh, tasty 2-1-A IPA. <laughs> you know, you know, the problem is, uh, I'm not a good fisherman, but I was really good at baiting, so they called me a masturbator. Nice. Well, good for you. Like you wow. needed that to, to, to be called that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well. So, uh, I don't think I'm really drunk of the week, but I wanted to try. Okay, well, good effort. You don't sound, you, you don't sound like you've earned it. I, you have my respect for drinking all day, but let's face it, Motor. Uh, you drink all day on a regular basis. You know, we'll call you later from Zeitgeist. Alright, that sounds good. Thanks for the call, brother. Okay, bye, Justin. See bye, Jimmy. But, you know, I wonder how many people on the boat caught a salmon that weighed more than than Motor's liver. <laughs> Let me tell you, I love Motor. That guy yeah. is a good dude. Right. And he's a gentle giant. He's <laughs> <laughs> a big guy. He's got a liver the size of Sean's head. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that's why they're good friends. <laughs> Hey, I think we could be friends. My liver's the same size as your head, Sully. <laughs> hey, Motor, uh, my head's getting sunburnt, man. You got a hat? No, but I have my liver. Ah. Wrap it around, and they kind of walk down the street. All right, so no drunk of the week yet, but you guys got plenty of time. Uh, we'll be broadcasting today till around 7-ish. Tonight, folks, final episode ever of The Sopranos, and I'm not going to miss a minute of it. I'm going for a motorcycle ride with Gooch for an hour before, two hours before. Came by, beautiful new bike. We're going out riding. So I'm out of here a little after 7. Riding what? And <laughs> I'm riding my motorcycle. Come on. Oh. Why you got to make everything dirty? We're talking. I don't know. I'm this sorry. is guy stuff here. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. Let's get to the feedback. Got a couple for you this week. and First one, uh, I haven't gotten a good one like this in a while. This one, uh, it's really good. It is titled, Jameel, You Know Talent Hack. Whoa. Yeah. Wah, wah, woo, wah. And then it starts in the body of the email. That's right. I said, Jameel, how long can you keep this charade going? Most decorated homebrew ever, please. It's so obvious that Justin is the brewmaster behind the Pope. <laughs> Believe how this starts. I didn't write this, I promise. It was sent to me and to Jameel. I think they sent it to John Chicken Boy, too. Right from the start of the BN, you had Justin acting like he was completely clueless about brewing. He says, uh, and he's got a bunch of quotes from me. Hellas, that's what we call lager over here. That's my voice. That's me yeah, that's you. impersonating my own voice. That's your dude. Good Hellas. Job. Uh, constantly calling the NHC the National Homebrew Competition. It sort of is, though, right? Yeah, it is. Instead of what he meant, the National Homebrew Conference... He accidentally makes a star sand beer. Yeah, right. How did you get him to say such silly things on the air? Do you have pics of him with Doc's goat? Not that that would be very embarrassing to Justin. <laughs> yeah, I got those. <laughs> Seriously, what power do you have over him? Or is this something that Justin wants? Is he too humble to accept all the acclaim that his brewing expertise would bring him? At least that makes a bit of sense. You certainly are not the fountain of knowledge that your reputation might imply. During Beer Jeopardy, you need to have Chris Graham give you all the answers. Chris Graham? Now that's bringing it weak. <laughs> that's true. Now you're, quote, writing a book with rock candy. I can't believe that Palmer is in on this crap, too. I guess that means that Justin not only is writing this book for you, but he also wrote How to Brew for Palmer. 
Man, no, I like this email. There's nothing on your MrMalty.com that comes close to even acknowledging the great debt you owe to Justin. Unbelievable. Just a little thank you to the person that is the reason you have all this respect would have been nice. I just want to make sure that you know, I for one am not fooled by this little game you've been playing. And that's from ZZ in the forum. Wow. Way to go, ZZ. <laughs> Calling out Jamil. Yeah, do it, man. Saying it's all a farce. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the rebuttal will be. I think that all that Jamil wrote back was, you got me. It's kind of like Chad on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Chad, so how's how's your point. beer? Good. <laughs> that's how Jamil responds to emails, too. <laughs> You got me. Ah, whole one word Chad. Gotta love him. Here's another one. First of all, glad to have you back, even though I'm two, or is it three weeks late? Next, are there any news, any news on the brew, on the TBN brew kits, which is where we're gonna choose recipes or kits that allow us to send you a known style of beer? Yes! I do have news about the BN news kits. We have chosen a recipe. Jamil and I are, uh, just getting all of the, uh, quantities right so that B3, uh, can do it with ease and that it's true to the original recipe. And then you will be able to buy oh, the Brewing Network kit from more uh, Beer Beer More Beer. And I'm hoping to get that going for you this week. Cool. So I'll post it on the forum and on the website, and you'll go through more beer and you'll buy it from them. And I think that Chris is, is being cool. He's going to give us a buck or something off of every one that we sell. Right on. Something like that. So, it, uh, And here's the idea behind that. Everybody buys this this kit. It'll be a great recipe formulated by Jamil, so it's an award-winning recipe already. And everyone gets to brew it so that when we do our tastings on the air, we'll all have the same beer. It's been a trouble for us to oh, yeah. to, to do the uh, commercial tasting. That's oh, a great idea. Because not everybody can get it. So now we'll all have the same beer. Of course, they'll all be different. You all will have brewed them and stuff. But right. but you'll know the general characteristics, and and we'll talk about what what you know Doc and I, or you know one of us will brew it, or JP will brew it as well. So we'll talk about what we're finding, and and we'll be able to kind of commune about uh, the whole experience. And it's great because if you don't get the same flavors we're getting, there's something wrong with you know with with uh I don't want to say it's something wrong with what you did because that's you know. Well, I think more importantly is if you're getting you know off flavors that you would want to, and you can then call in and talk to them about right. us. Right. We'll be able to tell you, yeah, that's definitely something that shouldn't be in there. Right. So I'm excited about that, and of course that's it helps out idea. the BN and it helps out B3, it helps out everybody involved. So hang in there for that. Only a buck? Don't let him, John's girlfriend. You dude, you get at least two bucks. I gotta talk to him about that. Sure. Want to call him up right now and say, hey, Chris, why are you trying to jip me? Yeah, let's do it. Nah, he's, uh, I think it had to do with he doesn't want to up the price ab- above like a regular kit. I know. So, yeah. whatever it is, I don't know. I'm not greedy. I'm so, I'm nice, man. What, what's the story with that guy? I'm such a tart. I'm like, oh, yeah, 50 cents, that sounds great. Okay. <laughs> Can I send some more people to your website? No, they're uh, good to me. So that's what we're doing over at More Beer, and uh, hang in there. It'll uh, hopefully be in place this week. People want to know uh, what the style of the first beer is going to be, if you know or if you can tell or if you want to tell. How about that? I know, but I forgot. Because <laughs> it's been a week since I looked at it, and a week's a long time for me with the anniversary and everything. I'm just barely a human being again, i got to tell you that. I was down for the count for a couple of days. That whole thing wears me out. So, yeah, I, I don't remember what it is, but it's a unique one. It's something that B3 doesn't have a recipe for already. It's something that most people will not have brewed already. 
Oh, good. So it's kind of and it's a it's also a relatively easy one. It's an ale. Okay. Um, so it's it's but it's a I just forget which one it was. I'll look at the break. Great. I have it somewhere, and I'll tell you guys. Well, you can just you know save it till it's released. Make it a surprise. All right, moving on with this same email. Uh, the guy has an idea for us. He wants us to do uh, as a frugal oh, okay. brewing part. Do the repitch. Which is a great name, by the way. I love good names for our shows, and that's a good one. And what he wants us to talk about is uh, reusing your yeast, you know, repitching it, how to uh, sanitize it, clean it. We've talked about that in brief, so you know, we might do that. We're going to do a clone brews show uh, talking about how to do clone recipes. Oh, cool. And so maybe that would be a good topic to throw into that show, too. Let's see. What do we got here? All right, another email. Justin, I'm not one of the long-time listeners. I only recently found the BN about three months ago. Since that time, with the exception of your hiatus, my Sunday nights are spent in the chat room and listening to the show. I go by the handle Big Dog. What's up, Big Dog? I've seen you around the forums and Big stuff. Dog. Is he in the chat with you right now, JP? Big Dog is not. Oh. Well, I... Should I have said yes to make it sound better? Nah, it's all right. Okay. He's just not going to get to hear his email being read. He says, I want to thank you for an excellent show, awesome guests, damn good music, etc., etc. I would absolutely love to have a new BN t-shirt as well as one of the sweet new BN Army shirts, but none of the sizes in the store will come close to fitting. Uh, so that you really understand the cost of having large shirts printed. He used to run powerlifting meets, this guy. So he knows about the silk screening. He wants four XL shirts. It's a big shirt, man. I got them on order, though. Don't worry about it. Uh, I got to speak to the screen printers to finalize all of my quantities. I will get you some 4X shirts, my brother. You're not the first one to ask. And so they will be in the store first just for the BN Army shirts. The BN Logo shirts I have not reordered yet. Uh, I got to sell out of these BN Army things so I can afford it. That's the deal there. Um, so you're going to get those. All right, last thing. We got calls coming in, too, huh? Ah, boy. I wanted to mention this thing. Some guy from kegerators.net sent me a link. Um, have you heard about this, JP? Someone's giving away a kegerator. No, I never have. Kegerators.net. Uh, here, let me read you what's on their website. Summer is here, and draft beer is near. Win our kegerator giveaway contest, and we'll make sure it's the most unforgettable summer you and your friends ever experienced. To win the free kegerator, fill out the form below. I'll give you guys the link. Uh, fill out the form below and tell us why you deserve to be the lucky winner. So it's one of these uh, give them a good story deals, and you could win. It's a nice kegerator. It's really? one of those like five uh, five hundred dollar kegerators. Send me the link. I'll pop it in the chat room. There is the link to put in the chat room. And for you folks listening at home, it is uh, www.kegerators.net slash kegerator dash giveaway dot php. You can probably just go to kegerators.net and find it. But the link to the page is kegerators.net slash kegerator dash giveaway dot php. Um, two things. One, have we figured out if it's a spam? We checked that out. Is that backed by the BN? It is not backed by the BN. Why was it posted in the phone? No, I, no. I just want to know if uh, you know. It's like you know, it's take not. this, take this survey, and you can win a free iPod or something like that. Something I like see. That. I don't know. I looked at it. It was sent to me. He said, maybe you want to mention this. It loves. He's a fan of the show. I don't know. Uh, of course, a lot of people say that. Cool. I get nothing out of it that's not an affiliation with us, but I couldn't keep... If it's true and they're actually giving away a, a kegerator, right. I'd feel like a douchebag if I kept that a secret, whether they're paying me for the plug or not, and they're not. And number two, is it a MedTech-approved kegerator? 
That, I would guess not. MedTech-approved kegerators have to be lightweight conversions okay. of dorm refrigerators because had we put the heavy-duty version on on MedTech during Drunk Jenga... Uh, I would have crushed him. Uh, he would not have woken up the next morning. So, no, Drunk Jenga kegerators have to be lightweight conversions of dorm room fridges, which I can tell you how to do if you send me an email. It's a piece of cake. So, kegerators.net, go there, and you, can, you might be able to win a kegerator. Everyone needs one, so I thought I should tell you all. All right, before we go to break, one last phone call. We got Bub on the line. What's happening, Bub? Hey, I'm not going to hear the show today because I got called to work because some asshead don't know how to do things. No, it's so terrible. I'm, uh, First the anniversary yeah, show and now this. Really? Yeah, I know. Oh, you're allowed, to, you're allowed to fly out of town for that, are you? <laughs> not really. <laughs> oh, believe me, I got chewed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a penguin now. Uh, Sorry, Bub. You caught my disguise. Yes. Hey, I just want to give you you some crap. I need some uh, archive updating here, buddy, because I'm going to be on a plane, and uh, listening to Kylie Minogue the whole way really gets you in trouble. So a little bit of Brewing Network would be nice. So what do you want, the last two episodes of Lunch Meat? Yeah, that'd be good. Because that's the only thing that's not up there, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could do some, I could do some meat. All right, I'll post meat. I just, it's so low on the totem pole, man. I, like, I'm so <laughs> backed up that I like, like I have this list, and as, and every time I add new things to the list, I have to do lunch meat gets pushed farther and farther <laughs> down. Uh, I'll get it done, man. I got two episodes to post, so I'll see what I can do. All right, all right, brother. Uh, the other thing is, if any uh creeps from uh, Akron, Ohio, want to meet up, uh, PM me in the forum, and I'll. I'll uh, let you buy me a beer. <laughs> there you go. All right, so you can meet Bub in Akron, Ohio. The travel. I'll sign your boobs or something. The traveling Bub. There's your ringer, Bub. We'll catch you later. All right, bye. Cheers. All right. The, what the hell was that? When he creeps want to meet me in Akron, I'll sign your boobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. I'd go for it. Why not? <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to do a little homebrew talk. Imagine that. Here on the Homebrew Show, the Sunday session, we're going to talk homebrew with JP and producer Shat and his Pliny clone. We'll be right back. Hang in there. It's the Brewing Network's Sunday session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Anybody here wanna buy my nuts? Selling nuts, hot nuts. I've got nuts for sale. One for five, two for ten. If you buy them, want you buy them again? Selling nuts, hot nuts. You buy from the peanut man. Selling nuts, hot nuts. Anybody here wanna buy my nuts? Selling nuts. I've got nuts for sale You tell me your nuts is mighty fine But I bet your nuts ain't as hard as my selling nuts All hot nuts You buy them from the peanut man Selling nuts Hot nuts Anybody here wanna buy my nuts Selling nuts Hot nuts You buy them from the peanut man Your nuts is mighty small. 
Lord, better have small nuts than none at all. Silly nuts, hot nuts, you buy them from the peanut man. Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Mix me your 100-grain amber recipe, and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. Yeah. We're back. I am enjoying today's show already, JP. It's just very relaxed. Compared to what the work that goes into the anniversary one, it's a big pain in the ass. Yeah. I just feel like I'm I'm just hanging out with the boys, having a beer, talking homebrew. Yeah, man. Even though we haven't really talked homebrew yet. Uh, we talked about it. Chad did. Chad did already did his, his That's segment. right. Yeah. Chad, how's your beer coming along? Excellent. Good. Excellent, he says. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into his uh, Pliny in just a little bit. Uh, let's start with JP's beer, though. We wanted to talk about this because he brought in his homebrew. It's his first attempt at a mild. Is that right? Uh, ordinary bitter. Oh, same difference. Yeah. Which okay. is like, I think it's negative alcohol. I think it makes you sober. <laughs> Good. I need that. I'm going for, for a ride later. I need to yeah. be sober. 
It smells great. How old is it? Um, it is. Let's see. When did I hold it? It's about a month old. I thought I had the date on here, but I don't. It's really got a, a fantastic aroma. So we thought we'd talk about this because uh, I'm not a fan of the session beers. Although I'm about to brew a Kolsch myself, which again is going to be low alcohol. I just did one. It's in the fermenter, uh, actually. Is that right? Now the amount of grain that I picked up to do a 10 gallon batch of Kolsch it just blows me away. It's such a small amount. How much? And did you that's pick up? what we want to talk. I don't know. Uh, J- John put it in a bag for me. Oh, okay. So. uh you want to just go straight yeah, to the call here? Not. Hope it's not another uh, credit card agency. I hope so. <laughs> Caller, you're on the session. What's happening? All right. Is this producer Chad on the line? <laughs> Fantastic. You're going to have to screen those, JP. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, you know, brewing a, a bitter like this, anything uh-huh. in the low alcohol content, it's tough. I don't know how many grains I, I got for, for the Kolsch, but it's just, it's a really, it's a small amount. So, yeah. it's difficult because you're trying to get a lot of flavor and color. You know, you really want to do that. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, it'd be great to have one of the Utah breweries in here to talk about this, how they get these nice yeah, pro, full-bodied man. beers and yeah, low alcohol content. Yep. So, let's talk about that. How many pounds of grain and, and what did you use for your bitter here? Uh, what did I do? I had, uh, like 16 pounds of grain for 10 gallons, which is, uh, a little bit less, or a little bit, yeah, a little bit less than my Kolsch. Okay. So it ended up being 1036. That was your, uh, starting OG. Gravity. Oh, yeah. Wow. Ten, that's low. Yeah, and it finished at 1011. Nice. Yeah. That's great. So it, I mean, the, yeah, it's hardly any, I mean, you know, it's what, 20 points. Yeah. Which is, which is fine. And that's what I was looking for, because, you know, it's the summertime, and now I have two, two, uh, five gallon kegs of real low alcohol beer. Nice and refreshing, you know, crisp and clean. And um, now, do you have yeah. to? Did you have to do some uh, temperature adjustments in the mash uh, d- compared to what you would normally mash at, or you know, did you change that in order to get more body or anything? Yeah, a little bit. I, I usually mash at 148, 150. You this, do. Uh, this time I went to 154. Okay. Um, I, I did a lot of reading. Uh, uh, what did I read? I read um, National uh, Enquirer, Dan- Daniel's book, Ray Daniel's book, Designing Great Beers. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Uh, I love that book. It's a great Every, book. Uh, yeah, this is the first recipe I've done, first ordinary bitter, and uh, I think it's great. Uh, you know, I could, there's something I could do with it. I can tweak it out, make give it a little more body. But uh, is it his recipe? No, no, it's yours. Yeah, I just read read the guidelines that he sets out. You know what people have done. He has a little nice little charts and graphs. Kind of read it over, see what people have done to get into the second round. Yeah, and then just kind of you know get a feel for what he's trying to say. Okay, yeah. so you mash at 148 on this one. 154. Uh, 154, sorry, 154, you usually yeah. go to... Okay, yeah. uh, great malt character. I just had it yeah. my first sip, and it's actually really smooth and nice. Also, it's got a little bit of a uh, hop twang like it should, too. A little bit, yeah. I put a little bit more in than, than I normally do this time. I think you did a nice job on this beer. I would go so Thank far you. as to say, I think Jibio would tell you you did a nice job on this beer. This is nice. It's definitely, it's very clean, uh, nice malt character. What kind of yeast do you use in this one? I use the uh, WLP002, the English. The English. Yeah. The British Ale, is that what it is? or is it, English is it, Ale. Is there, those are two different ones? The yeah, British the British Ale. is the 05. It's a little, be a little more fruity. Okay. Be a little more, more esters going on. Gotcha. This is, uh, yeah, this is great. So how long did you mash at? Um, I did it for an hour. Um, you know, I I started researching about 50 minutes left. Okay. Um, which is kind of what I do, and and that for me that's great. It gets the mash, it clears the mash bed, it gets everything clear. I have a clear runoff. Yeah. Everything's fine. Um, but when I was building this, it you know kind of surprised me. I never thought you know English ales beyond stouts would have any sort of flaked grains. Right. And uh, Ray was saying that uh, some people who advanced the second round put some flaked barley in there. I see. And I try to put six ounces and. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, sophisticated enough to know exactly what it did. Well, and you don't I have anything it, to compare it to. You didn't do right. one without the flaked barley. Right. But I think it softened it out. Okay. Soft, softened it. Softened it. it, it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, think I, could it, help. I think it just rounded out. A little bit. It's definitely a well-balanced uh, beer, and I don't know if that has to do anything with the flake barley or not. But mm. uh, like I said, it's got a little hop twang, but I yeah. think that a, a nice bitter should. Yeah. You know, not too much. That what kind of hops do you do you use here? Uh, BKG and Fuggles. Okay. I had uh, BKG at, at uh, for the boil, BKG uh, for 10, and then Fuggles at 5. Okay. Oh, and then I dry hopped it. Look at that. See, it's a good, to, good to make notes, ladies and gentlemen, because I forgot that I also dry hopped it with uh, 7 point... Or, 0.75 ounces of Fuggles for okay. seven days. All right. Uh, it sounds to me like you did a little pro-mash action on it. That's it. How do you get 0.7, you know, 0.75 ounces? Usually when we're just throwing recipes together and we're not using a program that tells us, you know, exactly what to do to get the right bitterness. I we, just guessed. Did you really? Yeah. You didn't put it in the pro-mash? No. So how do you well, adjust for, like, if you know what kind of uh, IBU units you want, mm-hmm. the bittering units you want there... How are you figuring that out? Um, well, I go for for the for the main stuff for style. So I, I did put the the main recipe in the pro mash. You did okay because I want to I, I do want to hit the target gravity and I want to be within the the bitterness. But uh, yeah, uh, bitter's not my thing really anymore. The past couple of years, I've really been into just the malt. No, that's you know not what I mean, what I mean though. I, but that oh, that hop? to me is all the more reason to even punch in your hop quantities and your alpha mm-hmm. acids into ProMash or a program like that because it will calculate for you what kind of IBUs you're going to get out of it. Yeah, That's I, my point. I, I did that, but the dry you hopping did. I didn't because did not. It, it's not going to give me any bitterness no. or anything like that. And oh. um, and I knew that it was it was going to be a light beer, light uh, malt, not going to be a whole lot there. I didn't want to overwhelm it. Okay. Um, so I just I just took a stab. I thought half an ounce was, was a little, you know, was too little for 10 gallons and I thought an ounce might be a little overwhelming. It might kind of squash the malt, so sure. I just kind of, okay. you know, just tried it. I want to brew it again, yeah. so I was just kind of farting around. Nice. Yeah. Tell us your grain bill specifically. Uh, okay, well, I used uh, 13 pounds of two-row, actually American two-row, the raw two-row, which I think is actually Canadian, but don't hold me to that, okay. uh, which I love. It, it, it's sweet. It, it's kind of a, John Plissé described it really well. It's a cross between, I think, and taste of a, of a English pale mm-hmm. and American pale. So okay. it's like kind of it'll it, it gets kind of dry, but it still has a sweet malt kind of there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, a pound of Crystal Forty, half a pound of Aromatic, half a pound of Munich, half a pound of Special B, and six ounces of flaked barley. Ah, okay. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't go with like the Maris Otter with a straight English because it's in English style. Yeah, you know, I, you know um, base malt. Me too, I guess. I was just kind of just wanted to try it. Yeah, just you know, that's the fun of brewing, man. It's just kind of making your own thing, and and I, you know, I I'd brew with it before. I really like the raw. Mm-hmm. I try to use it whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, it is great, and I think it worked out. Uh, you know, fine. It to me, there, there's a little lack of body, and maybe that's because of the uh, you know the raw. Maybe maybe because it's too dry. Maybe I'll try the 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 uh, Maris Otter next yeah. time. Yeah, you could also. Uh, I mean, you could also, I think, play with your mash temperature too. Uh, to to work out the body issues as well, mm-hmm. and I think that, and that's why I asked that question. And, and I don't know uh, about how to do it, but I know that in principle, when you're doing a, a low gravity beer like that, but you still want a nice big body, that is definitely one one of the places to start because you obviously you can't just up the malt bill, right? Because then you're not going to get the you know the gravity that you want. 
Right, so. right. I usually mash at the on the lower end. So if I need more body, I'll I'll, I'll play around with the specialty malts. Yeah, you know, okay. I'll, I'll put some Carafoam in there, Carapils rather. Uh, okay. You know, I could up the Munich on this a little bit because I, I I like the flavor of the malt. Mm-hmm. I might change. This is what I do when I when I try to process a recipe. It takes me a couple of days because I do what I just did. I just said, oh, maybe I'll do the Merit slaughtering. Well, I really like the RAR. Yeah. So I'll stick with that. And in five minutes, I may you know may change that. I don't know. Okay. All right. Now, uh, how about fermentation? I know you've got yourself a new conical fermenter. Yeah. Uh, What was your uh, temperature? Uh, I believe it was 68, 66. Okay. I kind of like the low end of of strains for some reason. Right. What does it say the high end is on that? Do you remember? 72 or something? I don't remember. See, to me, um, I do almost everything cooler now. So to me, 68 is even high. I'm almost, like with Cal Ale, things like that, I'm even down at like 65, 66, uh, because that can make it even cleaner. So that's an interesting thing. Okay, well, fantastic, and it's a good beer. It's very well balanced. JP's answering the phones now, too, so a little bit of multitasking going on here. And a good opportunity to talk to producer Shat about his uh, Pliny clone. Now, Shat... Yes, sir. People in the forum have been asking about you. They wanted an update. Uh, I didn't think anybody gave a shit about what you do. But uh, they had been asking. They Not only do they want me to talk about it here, but they want you to be participating in the forum. Have you signed up? I have. You, uh, you have I'm in. Up. I'm in. You're there now. Yeah. And what is your handle? Oh, it's going to be Shat the Producer, of course. All right. Shat the Producer. You can find him in the forum now. You can PM him. Of course, as I told you earlier, Chad at thebrewingnetwork.com. Now, before we get into your Pliny, let me go to the phones here real quick. Uh, we got a call from Australia, which is uh, kind of exciting for us. We, I don't think, can't be Oz. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. Caller, what's happening? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Who are we talking to? This is Michael. Michael, how are you, my brother? Yeah, not too bad. We've got a day off here in uh, Queensland today, so I took advantage of a brew day and listened to you guys while we're doing it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, usually you're at work uh, when we're doing this thing, and you guys aren't allowed to listen. You got it. Well, it's a good deal. Unfortunately, uh, there's no Dr. Scott to keep you entertained today, but I do have a little Sam Calagione coming up later, so that'll be a good interview for you. Excellent. What are you brewing today? Uh, brewing a wheat beer. Nice. Uh, it's modeled on uh, an Australian beer, Redback. Never had it, but it's just like a no, str- uh, like a straight not a not a hefeweizen or anything, just a straight wheat beer. Uh, it's more yeah German sort of white beer sort of take off. So okay, all grain it's, or uh, extra? Uh, all grain. Yeah, the mash is just on at the moment, so I took the took took the advantage of the the uh, yeah, the weight to give you a call. Hey, fantastic! I would have asked like what temperature and stuff, but you're just going to tell me in Celsius, and then I won't understand. So. You got it, 67 Celsius. 67 C. <laughs> That's got to be somewhere around 300 Fahrenheit, right, JP? I think so, yeah. That's a hot mash you yeah, got right there. great. <laughs> Might be a little tannin, but, you know. Yeah. Mash and boil all at once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do we have Oz's favorite song we could play for this guy? Uh, Timey Kangaroo Downsport? Yeah. <laughs> I think Oz is the only Australian that actually likes that song. You think uh, so? Yes, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have it anyway. So. Oh man! <laughs> now, uh, did you have a question or anything, or are you just hanging out? No, no, I just wanted to phone in because I don't get the chance to ever do it. Ah, oh, that's cool, man. I really appreciate that. What kind of yeast are you going to use in that wheat beer? Uh, actually, using dry yeast today, K ninety seven. Okay, and it's it's a German Weiss strain. 
Uh, yeah, that's, that's a German ale yeast, yeah, okay. specifically for wheat, so. Yeah, very cool. And uh, how about fermentation? You got temp control? Yes, I do. You do. What do you got? Cooler? Yeah, uh, it's a uh, chest freezer. Okay. We were just cleaning out our chest freezer. Producer Chat was out there. We got a lot of rust and mold issues happening in that old beast. We're going to have to sand her out and spray some rust-oleum in there. It'd be about the yeah, least. If you, find it, if you find out how to solve the mold problem, give me a yell because that's, uh, that's an issue I've got as well. Well, I know one thing that I have, the simple thing that's just like an old you know, housewife trick for refrigerators in general, and I've not done it yet, so I don't know if it works in here. A housewife trick? Uh, yeah, baking soda. You throw some baking soda in there, and that's supposed to really uh, kind of curb the, the mold. But I, th- I don't know if that works on, like, serious mold problems, which is what I have in my chest freezer. Yeah, I think you have, like, a uh, might as well have a plate, like you're colonizing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm growing penicillin for uh, yeah. for the Great Famine. Wow. <laughs> I, I looked in that thing yesterday, I'm like, woo I don't know why penicillin has anything to do with the world hunger, but that's what I'm growing it for. Hey, man, why not? All right. Everyone needs a mission in life. <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, hey, good luck with the brew. And, uh, Thank you. We're glad that you called in, man. It's good to hear from you. Uh, it's great to be able to listen. All right. Cheers, brother. Have a good one. See you. You too. Bye. Very cool. Always like to hear from people that we don't get to hear from ever because either yeah. they don't get to listen live or anything like that. 888-401-BEER is our number. Call from anywhere, anytime, as long as it's during the show hours because I don't answer the phone otherwise. And you're probably asking for money. <laughs> and that's why I don't answer. All right, Producer Shat. Yes, sir. Pliny clone, your second uh, version of this. Oh, I love that beer. <laughs> My favorite. It blows me away. You can brew anything you want. You do the same thing twice, but... Uh, hey, I'm trying to get it down, you know? That's There's nothing wrong with that, actually. Now, you do an extract. an extract version. JP, was I supposed to keep that person on the line, or did you just hang up on them? I just... Was I supposed to keep them on the line? Yeah. Good work. you got to wait you. for me. I know, man. That, I'm uh, telling you. It, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been like so a week. Whoever that was, well, see, they're not even listening, so I think they think they're just on hold. <laughs> well, send me a message over there who it was, and I'll just pick up straight away. I'll probably call back. All right. Uh, so you do all extract on this thing. Yes. How many pounds? It's a big, big malt beer. It's huge. So how many pounds of extract in that bad boy? <sighs> All together, almost 11 pounds. We've got 9 pounds of ultralight, a pound of light DME, 8 ounces of dextrin. It's, yeah. It's a lot. A ton. All right. Let me get this call real quick. I'll come back to you. Hang on. Uh, looks like it says it's Doc on the line. Doc. You there? Hello. Hello. Hi. No, it's not Doc. Oh. Who are we talking to? This is Brew Blender. Brew Blender. What's happening, brother? How, how's it going? It's I just wanted to call and say congratulations to you guys for uh for two wonderful years you man, you guys cool. have taught me so much about brewing that's awesome man Th- i appreciate that thanks a lot it's kind of cool yep. you did that because we didn't we couldn't take calls or anything and no skype or anything during the anniversary show so that's nice man i appreciate very it. cool yeah thank you uh we, we got to listen to the anniversary show and uh it was it was great you guys sounded awesome uh with the session band and- ah cool <laughs> uh, I tried to listen to it, man. I couldn't do it. Uh, I don't know how you guys listen to this crap, but we had a lot of we had a lot of fun doing it, though. The session band was a good time, and uh, yeah, I, I was impressed. Uh, thank you. Hey, I there's good musicians up there, myself excluded. I surround myself with people who know how to do things, and uh, it uh, that way somehow makes me sound good. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Now, all the stuff you've learned from the show. You sure you were listening to this show? 
<laughs> Absolutely. This is yeah, brew crazy, you know, isn't I, it? I guess uh, uh, Charlie Papazian's book helped helped out too. Ah, oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, do, do you have John Palmer's? Um, not yet, not yet. I'm uh, I'm working on it. I, I definitely want to get uh, Jamil's book. Yeah. Uh, Jamil and John's book. Um, Good ones. But, uh, my my son and I are, are brewing a batch right now. What are you brewing? Uh, we're we're brewing an alt. Nice. Alt beer. Oh, dude, that's one of my favorite styles right there. And uh tough one to do right. I wish you luck on it, too. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I, I did a Kolsch uh, about two weeks ago, and what I'm going to do is repitch that yeast. And I, I just heard you guys talking about possibly doing a show on on reusing yeast and stuff. So I, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for that. I'm going to talk to the Whites, because I want to get them in here. Chris White's been traveling the world lately. He's got a lot of work going on. So, But I'd love to have them here for that. And, and then, of course, Jamil. And I will say that, uh, is, if I remember right, Jamil's not a huge fan of repitching yeast, but... Even so, that might make for a great other angle to the show anyway. Because if he's and don't quote me on that, maybe he's fine with it. I just seem to remember. No, I don't. I don't think he is. And yeah. you're right. There's a lot of garbage that yeah. is in that cake. You shouldn't be putting right. Here again. But uh, we can at least talk about those kind of problems, and then you know how to, how to redo it too. I mean, a cool. It would be great to be able to buy uh, a real Kolsch, you know, from Cologne, and take some yeast right out of that bottle and propagate. Oh that. yeah. You know, I mean, that would be great. Um, well, I mean, the way I repitch, and, and it's probably, you know, would probably make Jamil, uh, <laughs> cringe. Flare, uh, is, is, it's, I just basically will, while my wort chiller is, is, is going with, with my current beer, I'll, I'll go down and siphon off the other one. Yeah. And then once it gets down to temperature, I just give it a good swirl and, and pour, not all of it, but a lot of it into the new beer. And it takes off, I mean, I'm sure you know, in, in, like a few hours, yeah, and it's it's going strong, and I've I've had some really good beers out of it. I mean, it, I, I'm happy with them. My friends are happy. My wife is happy. Yeah, hey, that's all that matters. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have done the same thing. I've talked about it on the air. I've been chastised for it by uh, Jamil and others. I've done the just where I just pour my new work right on, you know, that old batch like you're talking about. And I, too, have had some nice success with it. Uh, I, I've made, I've brewed, you know, for, for my beers. They were good. Yeah. And uh, But I, I do agree with them when they tell me, you know, maybe you have had success. Maybe it's gone fine. But one of these times, and it only takes a little bit of uh, a little mishap, uh, it, it's going to catch up to you, and you might end up with a bad batch. And that would suck. Sure. Yeah. But, I, uh, I tell people, you know, it, it's uh, uh, there could be something wrong with it but you just might not know yeah maybe you're not picking up the you know whatever flavors yeah. i don't know that's you know, true I, that's true um you know and and i mean i've had a lot of homebrew where people go hey this is you know taste this this is great yeah and it's not yeah that's true um we you know, tend not, to not be this on them i mean you know it's you no do, but we mask we, we have a hard time picking out our own faults yep, exactly you know, in life and in beer exactly you know, so, so you know i go why chance it? that's why i don't even mess with starters yeah i don't want to chance it yeah 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 True. Pitch. I just pitched like two vials for five gallons. Yeah. Now uh, this alt you're doing today, all grain. Yes, it is. Okay. I'm uh, I'm actually uh, going off of Jamil's uh, Dusseldorf alt recipe. Great. And uh, I mashed at about one one forty nine, one fifty, and uh, it's it's going good so far. We're about to 
my my son and I are about to add some flavor hops. He likes he likes handling all the hops, and I just tell him when to pour it in. And nice. He's actually right here. He wants to say hi. If that's cool with you guys. Yeah. You, wait, you got to tell me how old he is first, so I don't like curse and stuff. <laughs> he's eight years old. Okay, gotcha. The, the, thank you for letting us know that. Yeah. And what's and what's his name? Uh, Matthew. All right. Cool. All right. Here's Matthew. All right. Hello. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Good. Hey, you're brewing with your dad, huh? Yep. What's your job in the brew? What do you do best? I usually pour stuff in the beer. Nice. Cool. That's 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 an important job, man. Dude, that's all I ever do, Matthew. I just, someone else brews and I pour stuff in. It's fun, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. You going to become a brewer when you're old enough to do it yourself? Maybe. Yeah? Good man. At least homebrew, you know? Do your dad a favor and don't go around telling people at school that. <laughs> yeah, don't go to school tomorrow and say, "Hey, teacher, I brewed beer yesterday." <laughs> that probably wouldn't probably wouldn't be good. Maybe you could ask your dad if you could bring some beer in for show and tell one day. <laughs> no, that's not. Hey, what grade are you in, Matthew? I'm in second grade. Second grade, wow. man. Those are those were the good old days. Yeah. Do you still get naps in second grade, or are you older than that yeah. now? Um. Sometimes, but not very often. See, Matthew, leave it up while you can. I wish I could take a nap. Oh, man, if I could still take... Wouldn't that take, be great? In fact, I would take a nap right during the Sunday show if yeah. I could. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll do that when we're playing the interview. I'm going to take a little nap over here. Do it. <laughs> hey, Matthew, well, it's very nice talking to you, and I'm glad you're helping your dad brew. That's a good man. Yep. All right, brother, put your dad back on real quick, and we'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. That's a good kid, huh? Yeah. Hey, you guys. Hey, that's hey, a, that kid's a he's a class act right there. He is. He's he's gonna be brewing beer very very soon. Yeah, I hope so. He sounds like it. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you, you guys. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right. Cheers. Cheers. That's cool. Hey, guys can call up, tell us all about your brews, man. We're fine with that. I love yeah. calls like that. Yeah, they're great. What a cool kid, huh? Yeah. So, uh, I think I think his kid should should date both of Push's kids. <laughs> yeah, there's Push has cool kids too. Yeah, we got to meet them uh, this past weekend. Yeah, Mrs. they kept Push and the kids. They kept peeing and pooping though. Yeah, I I love I forget I forget uh, the one his one girl's name, but every time I just peed. Yeah, I didn't pee. Yeah, telling the whole table. Oh, she she was proud of her pee. I I wish that I think if she when she gets older to enough uh, old enough to to carry a jar, she probably just pee in the jar and come back and show everybody. And she, look at my pee. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'm drinking a lot of water, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I too am proud of my pee sometimes, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right, uh, Chad. I'm sorry to interrupt your segment. Hey, no problem. We got to get these uh, listeners on the air, though. Absolutely, absolutely. You guys got three beers lined up in front of me. I got to go ride a motorcycle later. I don't even have tags on the thing. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where were we? We were talking about the amount of extract that goes in there. I think huge, huge, yeah. huge. Now, do you have trouble figuring out your water content? Because you got to get you know bring it to a boil first. And we use a, a, a converted keg. And then you got, how many pounds was it again? About of, 11 pounds. Of extract going in there, plus the DME. Oh, yeah. What do you, how do you figure that? Uh, I did about eight and a half gallons per this five-gallon batch. Um, and it just worked out. You know, I just had so much stuff left in my carboy yeah. after all was said and done. I pulled, you know, a perfect amount. 
You did. You know, to put in fermentation or uh, put in a keg and uh, dry hop. So okay, eight and a half gallons was pretty good for me this uh, time around. All right, and now that recipe, uh, we're not going to give the whole thing. I'll tell you what, it'd take us fifteen minutes to give the Pliny clone recipe, but you can get the same kit that that Chad got, and you can get it both all grain and extract at Beer Beer and More Beer. So morebeer.com, of course, everybody knows that. Um, but I do want to know, using uh, obviously several different kinds of hops. Some whole hops and some pellet hops. Chinook whole hops. What part of the process are those used for? Uh, as far as... When did you put them in the beer? Is, was that just for dry hopping, or was it, were those bittering hops, too? Bittering hops, aroma hops, flavoring hops. Um, Warrior and Chinook for bittering. Okay. I did have whole hop Chinook that I put in as I uh, steeped my grain. Oh, so, oh, that's right. you got to steep the some hops, too. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's you know Simcoe, Columbus, Centennial... Um, yeah, there's a ton. <laughs> Columbus. Yeah. yeah. You're just shoveling that stuff in oh, there, yeah. man. Oh, very busy. Okay. <laughs> All right, and then uh, you ferment with what? What yeast? Uh, cow. The cow ale. Yeah, nice. white labs. Did you temp control this batch? Uh, no, I don't think you Not did. exactly. I think I saw it <laughs> Not exactly. In, I think it was sitting in the living room like where I used to put mine. <laughs> if, by temp control, if by temp control you mean room temperature, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because our fridge is all gooey out there. Yeah. So, yeah. And it had beer being kept cold. So secondary, it's, you know, in that ice chest for sure. Now, how long are you supposed to dry hop it? Does it say on the recipe or you just do it to your own taste? does not say. Someone told me 10 days. Okay. I don't know where that came from. I think someone, you know, dry hop had like seen w- Vinny talking about his beer. It's like a week, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vinny's different, though, I think. Actually, I think I've heard Vinny say two weeks before. Well, I mean, At like 55 In degrees. fact, he yeah. did. I was talking to Colin once. Him and Colin were talking, and uh, they were talking about like a 20-day uh, dry hop deal and talking about how the beer really changes over that 20 days. Mm-hmm. So, no, he, I mean, but I'm I just saying he, in his yeah, terms. I don't think he a, does it for the Pliny, though. I mean, but he also, they also like inject CO2 and, and blow the hops back up. Uh, to really get it all in there. To you know? really have it rolling around. Yeah. Um, you could do that if you had a uh, conical. You can, yeah. Yeah, that's you a can. cool deal. Or you can dry hop in a keg and do, and do that too, uh, switch your doing. outputs. Yeah, well that is what, although you bagged your hops to dry right. hop in the keg, right? Right, right. exactly. Zymer just taught you a cool trick. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Floss, dental floss. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's called the flying camel muff teaser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it's the old dental floss trick. That's right. Get a good seal. Put a thong in there? What well, are you about? because you, uh, you know, you put your hops in a bag, and we talk about how you can tie them to the dip tube. Yeah. You ever tried to tie something to the dip tube? No. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, a down. way around it was, and it slides down too, was you can tie, you know, you tie the bag closed, and then you take dental floss, which uh, it's really thin, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of thin and flat, right? And you can then close the keg top, the regular Cornelius keg top, and have the dental floss coming out of the top. Oh, right, and right, you'll right. still get a tight seal. It's so thin, yeah. and with the rubber piece, and it holds it that way. And then all you got to do is open it, and you and you, you know you, you hold, hold the dental floss, it, yeah. you, you pull it right out again. Make sure it's uh, not the cinnamon waxed one. <laughs> yes, it was yes. mint actually. <laughs> yes. I put it in a sanitizing bucket for a little bit. <laughs> oh, but it was oh, mint really? floss. Yeah. That's all you had. Yes. I'll have a slight refreshing yeah. taste. Zymergist and MedTech were like, oh, I'll just put it in the, in the bucket for a little bit. It'll be yeah. fine. They're drunks. Yeah. Chat, just so you know that. <laughs> all right, I got a call real quick. Let's uh, go to Cal Ales on the line. What's happening, brother? How's it going, guys? It's going great. How are you this week? Oh, not too bad. Drinking away and then find the day off. Beautiful. It is a yeah, nice day off. You're not brewing today? Oh, no. Um, I was supposed to 
go to this wine festival deal thing, but luckily my friend that I was supposed to go with didn't call me back, so I hate, I don't like wine people, so it worked out for me. <laughs> I don't even think wine people like wine people. That's I like true. wine, but you're right about the wine people <laughs> thing. Yeah. What else so, is happening? Hey, Anything? Uh, oh, man. Last weekend, good times. Uh, man, great to meet everybody. Everyone was super cool. Even got to drag my dad up, but... That's right, yeah. Yeah, Cal you brought your pops out. Which was, which was oh, yeah. pretty how he, cool. How did he like that? The former former Coors drinker, so trying to trying to get him tuned up on the homebrew. And what did he drink at the anniversary party? Oh, man, he had uh, two Pliny's. Those were the first two that he had. Really? And, uh, I think he ended up drinking more than me, which is kind of weird. That a boy. That's right. I think that's funny. You go from Coors to Pliny. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Jump Here in with both feet. Step man. up. <laughs> Awesome. I didn't know he had it in him. Yeah. <laughs> That's did it, did great. It, did it come out of him shortly thereafter? <laughs> yeah. Like oh, producer Shat. Those, those, those bathroom lines were just hideous. I found myself at least three or four times, like, running up and down the street trying to find a bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, hey, what was your favorite part about the anniversary party, man? Oh, man. I would definitely have to say seeing 5 o'clock live all the way. Ah, there you go. Push the gangster rappers pushing Sven. They did a great job live, man. Yeah, that was good. Oh, totally. No, no pants. And we took our pants off. <laughs> no pants. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll tell you what. Actually, I'm glad you bring that up. I was. I was. I would have forgotten to mention it. I have the full new version of Five O'clock that's going to play when we take a break here. Uh, awesome. With with the extra verse because Push and Sven added a whole new verse during the live show. Uh, oh, I'm listening to it three times a day. <laughs> nice. Yes. Hey, cool, man. Yeah, I got that available. I'll be playing it at the break here. And uh, if I ever put out a new newsletter, and I will, it's coming. Um, I'll put it in there for download too so, we'll give you a few months thank you i appreciate that <laughs> all, all right. right guys have a good one cheers brother thanks a lot man later thanks a lot all right cal ale you can find him in the forum under the name cal ale 7 p.m if you want to yeah. good community we got going and that was a really cool thing about the anniversary show and i want to do that recap i also want to get moving on this uh Caligione interview can we take a break too um i got it all kind of lined up at once how about we do this let's let's uh, do that were we done with you shet we went through. If you want to be, I think we went through. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I did pour some out so you can try it. This is undry hopped Pliny in your glass. Oh, this one right yes. here. Yes. I put it in a undry hopped. It smells pretty damn hoppy. Already. Russian River Growler. So it's been sitting in the fridge for about a week. Threw a little corn sugar in there. Doesn't look carbonated though. It's not. Yeah. Oh, I know why. Because you had it in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. You can't corn sugar carbonate in the fridge. Well. I think I had it out for a few days, and then somehow it made it into the fridge. I think someone probably thought it was like yeah, some actual yeah. Russian river. Yeah, yeah. I like how you put your Russian river clone in a Russian river uh, growler. Uh-huh. Sly dog. <laughs> All right, let me taste this. What do you thing. think? Hey, we bugging you over there, JP? No, I'm good, man. i got to answer this phone. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're pulling a sully on us. He's texting like he's got nothing else to do. All right, let me taste How's this. How's it smell? It smells good, actually. Mm. Um, that's nice, actually. It's gonna be good, huh? Yeah, it's it's clean. Yeah. Did you taste it, Gooch? What do you think? It's good. <laughs> good answer. This is like a uh, it's like a, just a room full of broadcasters here. It's unbelievable. I feel like I got Don Imus in the room with me. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Crotch Rod, what's happening, brother? 
quit talking about them nappy hoes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Grats. My bad. <laughs> How are you, man? We haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Hey, I was uh, going to pick your guys' brain a little bit on that watermelon wheat that you uh, guys can get out there. Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you had it? Yeah. What is this never. watermelon wheat? I've never heard of it. <laughs> what is this? What, where is it available? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what is this dang watermelon wheat? Um, <laughs> I've had it, I'm, yes. Well, I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't get it around here, so I'm going to try to replicate from uh, uh, what I'm what I'm planning on doing is a uh, a German Hefeweizen and uh, putting uh, fresh watermelon in there after it's done fermenting and crash cooling it so it can't ferment the watermelon. Gotcha. Um, so what what I was uh, wondering is how watermelony is it? It is a, his is a really subtle watermelon. Uh, you definitely know it's a watermelon wheat beer, but it's okay. it's really subtle. It's uh, I would definitely call it a beer first and then a fruit beer second, sure, because it right. really is a nice crisp wheat beer. Um, I will tell you this, and you guys have probably heard this before. You're doing the right thing with the fresh watermelon. Uh, I don't know that that's how Sully does it anymore. I think he said he doesn't, but when he started the whole thing, he was in there shucking watermelons uh, every day. Yeah, and. Yeah. and yeah, and that's how I plan on doing it. I did a strawberry wheat because the Hefeweizens, you know, they pull that banana esters on them if you ferment them at the right temp. Yeah. And uh, I did a strawberry because I'm thinking, hell, you know, uh, uh, you, you throw strawberries and bananas on your Cheerios, so why wouldn't it be good in a beer? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's what I did is, uh, you know, I, I did a, a Hefeweizen, made a, a nice, clean, you know, it was a beer. And yeah. uh, <laughs> fermented it out completely as a beer. Yeah. And... Uh, then uh, went ahead and added strawberries to it and, you know, fresh-cut strawberries and crash-cooled it so the uh, heavy yeast couldn't start fermenting those strawberries and turning it into a wine. Right. I see and, what you're saying. Uh, ended, ended, ended up with, a, you know, pretty much what I wanted. Okay. And I, pl- I planned it on, on doing the same thing with the watermelon. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and, you know, and I've already got the, uh, the heavy fermenting. It should be done in the next couple of days. Then crash cooling it, racking you know, racking it on top of some watermelon. But and but one of the big questions I was wondering, and I wish Shauna was there tonight, was uh, I, with with the strawberry and with the watermelon. I was you know I'm concerned about bottling it uh, yeah. once it's you know kegged and everything because uh, you know once once that stuff sits at room temp, it's going to start fermenting again. So I was wondering, uh, and th- this might be something to ask Shauna, maybe even do a show on in the future is. Uh, what pasturation does to the flavor effects of a beer? Well, I've never heard good things about pasteurization. I got to tell you that. Well, anchor pasteurizes. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of commercial, you know, guys mm-hmm. do like that. But in general, I've not heard good things about it. And I'm sure that there are there's exceptions to every rule. Anchor is a is a great exception. But I think if you talk to most craft brewers, they talk about. The, how they love that they don't have to pasteurize because of what it could strip okay. could strip out of a beer. Uh, that being said, I mean don't don't take my word on that. Maybe it would be fine. Um, well, I, it's 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 going to be an experiment that I'm going to do anyways. It's one of those ones where I'm going to uh, go ahead and pasteurize off about a six pack, and then I'm going to leave some of the pasteurized cold, some of the unpasteurized cold, some of the pasteurized warm, and some of the un- you know unpasteurized warm, and, and see what happens. Yeah. But uh, before I, I go ahead and do the experiment, I was almost hoping to find out, you know, uh, it really, I mean, what it does. I mean, it, you know, I'm almost wondering, you know, if once I heat this this fruit beer up, is, am I going to be pulling pectins now that, you know, the, the fruit beer is heated up? Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's just, it, I've got, it's, it's, cr- 
crazy. I think what you're going to do, Crotch, is way different than what Craft Brewers, because they, they do uh, um, flash pasteurizing, where they'll bring it up to 160 and then kill it right away, where you won't have... Okay. Your, there, there's, it's, without the equipment, I don't think you're going to... You know, you're going to be baking it, basically. You're going to bring it up slowly, and you're going to have to cool it down slowly. And I think that might yeah. damage it more than the actual act of pasteurization. I know, I think it has some effect, but I think that's why they do it real fast and at that specific temperature, because it'll kill everything, and it won't do, I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about it, like I said, but it, it, I don't think it does a whole lot um, with that particular process. But I think if you try to do it at home, I, I think you might, you know, wreck it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but, that's that's one of the things I was wondering about because I was kind of planning on you know throwing some bottles up in uh, you know 180 degree water, let them sit for 15, 20 minutes, and then you know turn the water off, pull them out, and see what happens. You know. Yeah, I think that's even too long. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think know. that's crazy talk. Heating up beer like that. I wonder can can you filter a beer enough to pull out enough of the yeast that you don't have to worry about it? Yeah. You can stare. You have to sterile filter it. Yeah. So I wonder if you could pick up so some you'd sterile have rough, filters. You'd have, you'd have to do a rough, and then you would probably do a, a and then a, you'd, a thinner a sterile micron. after that. Yeah. Because I wonder if you could do that and just strip the yeast right out of that wheat beer, and then not have to worry about it. But that's well, as soon as I uh, finish my flux capacitor, I'll start working on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can get those little micron <laughs> filters at uh, the more beer right there. Well, you know, why not? Uh, um, why not? Because uh, I, I think Sean's is an American wheat. So it doesn't have that German yeast in it. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. I mean, if, if that's what you're going for, I mean, and I'm not trying to tell you how to make your beer, but what yes, if you are? Um, well, don't yeah, tell yeah, them what to do. I'm advising. No, I don't. Him. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, well, I mean, because you're going for a very specific thing, and I hate it when people ask for an opinion on how to do one thing, and they go, "Well, you should really do this," well, and then that's their answer. No, you know. I don't. Um, well, <laughs> uh, like an American wheat, and you put the juice in uh, in secondary, or you know, uh, after the first, you know, five or six days, and just let the yeast go at it. Just finish it off. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I've, I've tried it with, uh, you know, like fruit beers before with uh, juice and, and purees and and gone ahead and fermented them at uh, room temp, and yeah. it was nowhere near what I wanted. What ended up happening was uh, the yeast ended up fermenting. Even though I secondaried, there was still enough residual yeast to start fermenting that thing, and I ended up with a whole new Kraufen and a whole new... Uh, you know, a whole new fermentation, and so what I ended up with was somewhere between a, a beer and a wine, and it was a complete hybrid. I didn't have a beer that had fruit flavoring. I had it. I had something like I was making. Uh, what, what do they call those things where you mix a bunch of uh, things? You have suicide. Yeah. You know, I, that's pretty much what I had in a bottle. What if you calculate that uh, second fermentation into your gravity? So in your malt bill, you kind of reduce that so that, you know, let's say you're getting 5% out of that beer. You ferment it out. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it wasn't the alcohol. It was the flavor I was getting. You know, oh, that's I mean, what fermented you like, fruit has a different flavor than fermented malt, you know. Are you putting the whole fruit and in there or are you putting the juice? When, juice. when I did the uh, strawberry wheat, I chopped up a whole bunch of strawberries and... Uh, uh, when once the beer was completely fermented, it was ready to keg. I mean, it was ready to drink, and uh, went ahead and just racked that into a secondary on top of a bunch of chopped up strawberries and put it in my kegerator, uh, where it was about you know 38 degrees or so, too cold for the yeast to uh, ferment it. That ale yeast to ferment it. So that is fine. Yeah. they didn't touch yeah. the fruit. You're just worried about and, them sitting uh, on the shelf. Yeah, and so what, what I was wondering was, and that's, that's kind of where I'm going with it, is I got, I got great results out of it because I had a beer with a little bit of fruit flavor to it. 
Yeah. Uh, it was hidden in the background, but it was there. You know, you knew it was there. Right. And uh, and that's nice. But the only thing I the only thing I was wondering was, you know, once you know, once say I was to go ahead and bottle up a bunch of that stuff is. Uh, yeah, man. If I if I if I bottled that stuff and left it at room temp, whatever still suspended is going to take off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Try it and then let us know if it worked. Because other than that, I, I'd sure. have to get Doc in here to help you. I would say a filter would work awesome, uh, but I've never done it myself. So yeah, I don't know. Boil that shit up. See what happens. Yeah. So that that's my next thing is I'm doing the watermelon wheat and uh, I'm going for it. You know I got great result with the strawberry, so why not try it with the watermelon? And uh, I'm gonna I've already got the watermelons. I've already got the beer fermenting, so I'm gonna uh, put whole chunks of watermelon in there, crash cool it just like I did with the strawberry. But more what I was wondering is what's gonna happen once I heat that sucker up? Is it you know the, is the uh, fruit gonna change flavor? Is it you know is it gonna get funky? Yeah. Guess I'll find out. I'll, yeah. I'll let you guys know. Sounds good to me. And I'm supposed to tell you that Gooch has your beer from the two one A. So. You'll be getting your sample Sweet. soon. All right. Sweet. Thanks, brother. All right, buddy. Good luck. Cheers. Later. Okay, so let's do this. We're going to do the break, and right after the break, during the break, you're going to hear the extended version of 5 o'clock. Uh, right after that, you're going to get the uh, Sam Calagione interview from uh, Dogfish Head, of course, the founder of Dogfish Head Brewery out there in uh, Delaware, and you're going to get to hear a, a great, uh, about a 45-minute interview with him, so I'll be playing that now, and then we will come back afterward, give you our anniversary recap, call it a night... Because Sopranos are on tonight, and i got to get to that. You know what I'm saying, everybody? So hang in there. It's the session. Calla Joan came coming up, and uh, we'll take your calls in about an hour when we come back. Cheers, everybody. Hang in there. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Did you know that you can not only order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Download the More Beer monthly podcast by clicking podcast at morebeer.com. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear ways to save you money. They're also launching a brand new website soon with more features and a better online shopping experience. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. Up the brewing underground, I rushed home. What's with the Abacast stream? Goddamn, it's almost time. Why don't you work? Fucking thing, it's 502. I reboot. Ass hat iTunes. I hope Justin made the free FM commute. I'm on. Thank God, not a moment too soon. Holy shit, I just got booted out of the chat room. I won't back, motherfucker, when you do your 
risking old jewel. Hey, over Pope Jay-Z. Do like we told you. Do what you say. Well, okay. At least mostly. And hit that fucking whirlpool. Vigorous. Sometimes I don't. And I won't bitch. More than a little bitch. Vile of that sweet shit. That likes like that arrow bitch. Damn, my ears will not prove. And fucking booze being rude. Boom. That goes the blow off. Dude, and fuck this old chat room. I want out. Justin Chef. That goes my chocolate stout. And I never want to hear the word run high. Skip about. I give up. 50G. Why don't you push eject me? I'm screaming Gucci. When D pushes me off the screen. Jamil, JP, Johnny G, I can't think, I can't think, but then I hear Doc's little voice in my ear screaming, drink, motherfucker, drink, motherfucker, drink. The beat is. Got me going for a silver, a gold. The beat is. But do I feel warm or cold? The beat is. Groove, get unrefined. The Bruin Network. Five states, five gallons at a time. The beat is. Got me going for a silver, a gold. The beat is. Don't know the pitch, warm or cold. The beat is. Groove, get unrefined. The Bruin Network. Five states, five gallons. I need some TBS box What a shock Cause always holding his stock Tick tock The visa's unlocked Sean Knock knock dock Can you walk the walk Pull out an airlock A cock in his world flock There's no my box Into the mask Goes a blood crack Like a true breeder It's that for pale ale My man Boogita Flew for you beer nerds That's how you just heard The only man I know Whose name is a cuss word Come hang with Jays I'm a jest and haggerty And no one understands A word Daniela says Either biscuit the pit bull Or code right in full With Sniff your crack If you got the Jane hat Do line Excel Push my hat Go dip pound Matt Bet trans Is a low fat And lunch me some grab ass And what about Crouch Rock He's more than just down the block And then there's homegrown hops He's missing just like us Yo I don't know I can't see I can't see But then I hear Dark little voice in my ear And then who's gonna be Out in the desert with me The B.N. Got me going for a silver or gold The B.N. But do my bitch warm or cold The B.N. Groove Get unrefined The Bruin Network I'm safe You wrote another verse of the song Hell yeah, about a shun Beneath me, you like to find me I'm talking about the way your funk Makes me call thee White bros, come on Chris Go ahead and ship me a vibe Of the sweet little hoes That's a big fat red head It must be Sean O'Fett Or it could be Roger's ass Mac, I might hit that Hit this, bitch, a flying donkey fist Calling K's a shit Downtown mad scientist Drizzle, fizzle, my man Chris Graham Next to Morgan I hope he'll indeed Proves to be hot Damn, damn Sean Pastan it's Gordon, come a Dan I'm taller than you, won't fly him down Just don't stand Down we go, bitch don't cry Although, we're gonna rock the fucking roof Right off this beast So, B.N. Got me going for a silver or a gold The B.N. But do my bitch warm or cold The B.N. Groove, get unrefined The Bruin Network I'm six, five gallons at a time The B.N. Got me going for a silver or a gold The B.N. Got to load a bitch warm or cold The B.N. Groove, get unrefined The Bruin Network I'm six, five gallons I could have mixed it with chocolate and vagina. It still wouldn't help. Drink! Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's yeah. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah. some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> We're here with Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head Brewing Company. Brewmaster, entrepreneur, author extraordinaire. 
marketing everything, genes, model, the, the list goes on. Uh, and Sam's out in California for uh, a beer dinner with Bruce Patton here, so I got a chance to sit down with him. How you doing, Sam? Doing great. Glad to be here, Justin. All right, cool. Uh, the first thing I, I want to talk about, obviously, is Dogfish Head. And... Um, Everybody on the West Coast uh, knows about Dogfish Head, but not necessarily have had it. Um, really big in the beer circles, the name uh, is, is well known. So I want to—I just want to learn a little bit about it, being from the West Coast, and, and be able to talk about Dogfish. So I'd like to start with when you opened it. Sure. Uh, well, I always forget to, to explain the name because it's—it's uh, something I grew up with, but I forget how you know weird it sounds to people who aren't familiar with it. A lot of people have heard of Hilton Head in the Carolinas. Dogfish Head's a bluff of land off of Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, where I grew up. But I liked the name because it didn't necessarily connote geography. It just sounded like yeah. three words kind of uh, randomly put together. And I kind of liked that idea of uh, it being sort of a whimsical name because I knew the kind of beers we wanted to brew were going to be you know, fairly whimsical and adventurous beers. So that's where the name came from. We opened our first place in 95. I'm going to bore you because I'll say a lot of the same things at the dinner tonight. Oh, that's all right. You're going to have to hear this twice. <laughs> but, uh, and when we opened, we had a little, really a homebrew Sapco system. So we were brewing in 10-gallon batches on this system. But I did a few things to make it a little more volume-friendly, a big heat exchanger, okay. uh, a couple extra pumps. But, but they were basically 10-gallon converted kegs? Yeah. Right? Yeah, three, uh, three on a rack. And then I went to, I went to a scrapyard that I knew had a bunch of kegs. And... I bought uh, them at scrap value, ripped the tops off of them, put uh, propane or put little uh, sanitary ball valves in the base, and built racks with an air conditioner room. And I had 20 or 30 of those going at a time as primary fermenters. Wow. Then I waddle that keg into the cold room so the yeast would drop, transfer it into another keg, shake it to carbonate it, and put it on tap. So it was brutal, like inefficient, crazy for the first year we were open. That was just for the brew pub, too. That's all we were. Okay. I mean, it was always my goal, you know, when I wrote the, the business plan, uh, you know, right on the cover is our motto that still is today, which is off-centered ales for off-centered people, and it was always our goal to brew outside of the mainstream and recognizing that that was always going to be uh, the fray and never never the majority of the people uh, that we'd appeal to. Uh, but um, So that was great as far as having that little system because I wanted to really experiment with ingredients, and it was a very low risk if you had 10 gallons of beer that turned out bad compared yeah. to the average brewer, restaurant brewery that have, would have 200. Sure. Um, so it let us, you know, keep our freak flag flying and keep trying to tone in, dial in our recipes. And that's the that little humble system's really the basis for so many of the, re the recipes we're known for within the beer community today, like Raison d'Etre, Chicory Stout, Indian Brown Ale, Imbord Ale. Uh, all those beers came from that little tiny system originally. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And and how often did you have to brew to reach your baker capacity? Two or three times a day, five days, six days a week. So oh. I would get in there and brew for seven or eight hours, and then you know work up on the floor at the pub at night. Okay. You know, it's a whole time to make the donuts thing with a you know mattress in the cellar of the pub. Yeah. <laughs> get disoriented after a couple of days and ride my bike home to to my <laughs> girlfriend, my then girlfriend, my wife Mariah. Um, so yeah, you know any entrepreneurs, you know when you start out you wear a lot of hats and if you're excited and passionate about 
about it, it doesn't feel like you know dreary and uh, it doesn't feel ominous. It, you just do it, you love it, and days are long, and that's fine. Right, it's just the way that it goes. Yeah. Uh, it's still amazing that I brewed that much. And you, I assume, were a home brewer before? I was, but I had only brewed probably six or seven batches of home brew, so I kind of really learned after I opened my pub. Oh, man. Uh, and I guess that was still in the era when you could afford to do that. Uh, you know, when we opened, I, I always I wanted to open a brewery in a state that didn't have one yet because I thought it'd be nice from a marketing perspective to have that uh, coup. But uh, I also realized that the beer... Uh, education level in Delaware wasn't going to be what it was certainly in a city like San Francisco or Portland or Seattle or Boston for that matter Yeah. so that was good in that my audience was a little forgiving because there weren't any really good benchmarks in our marketplace but it was bad because it was more I shouldn't say bad but challenging because you know craft beer was such a foreign idea to, to people in that part of the country in 95, 96 yeah. particularly a brewery like ours that right out of the gates was making beers that average nine percent alcohol you know really freaked the locals out a little bit yeah well when you had to uh, you had to change the law initially in delaware what was the law that said you couldn't have a brew pub well the it's the same one that every state faced but they just faced it a lot sooner than we did basically after uh prohibition was repealed the federal government left it up to every individual state to deal with and update their own liquor laws. It was no, no longer a federally mandated program, and that's why th- there's so many different arcane yeah. uh, things about different states' laws as they did their own stuff. Well, Delaware, you know, there was no new era of brewery to open in Delaware after prohibition, okay. so the laws never got updated. So here I was hanging my sign up front, and the local people were like, the local politicians were like, I don't think that's legal. I'm like, what? Like, hey, you better check into that. It's a oh, so you didn't even know. I didn't even know. See, I thought that you had chosen it, and you were like, I can fight this. No, no you didn't no, even. No, that would oh. give me more credit than I deserve. Oh, that was, was a rough like, night. I already spent. You know, my startup was, I think, two hundred twenty grand for that. My first <laughs> pub, and I'd already spent, you know, two hundred of it once I found out. Wow. So I didn't really have money for lawyers. So I went up to, you know, Legislative Hall in Dover, Delaware, and just knocked on senators' doors and said, "Hey, I got this little problem." Yeah. And thankfully they were going into session the next week and they just quickly put me on the agenda I wrote the legislation I did have a lawyer that just gave me a good deal because I did a lot of the writing myself okay it was cool because you know where else you couldn't do that in Boston again or Albany or I can't imagine yeah. being in a city you know a, a capital city and literally going oh I, I just got the situation I screwed up and can you quickly change your state laws to, ac- to accommodate me no kidding and that's what's so cool about how casual and business friendly Delaware was right that we could get that done so it wasn't like an old blue law type of thing even it's just that no one had even approached no, it until no, then no. No, that's great so all I had to do is show them the, um, you know that all the surrounding states around us had already overchanged those laws and that these small scale breweries weren't going to be you know these horrific drunk places that are actually more you know a a higher end type of thing and once I could convince them of that they were as you know excited to help me change the laws gotcha and then, uh, so with that, you became the first brew pub in the first state. Yeah. Is that kind of your yeah, claim to always, fame there? Always be, we'll always be able to say that. Yeah. How many brew pubs do you have now? 
We have our own brew pub where we started in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and the second generation brewing system that we built out of cannery equipment. A cannery went bankrupt down the road from us, and we cobbled together a five-barrel or 150-gallon yeah. system there in 96, and that's still what we brew on at our pub. Then we cobbled together and built our own pot still out of something that came out of, I think, a dairy, uh, That uh, and we make our own gins, rums, and vodkas upstairs in our pub. Nice. And we cook everything over oak and hickory logs over wood grill, so wood grilled seafood and pizza. And that pub, we still we brew there maybe once every month to month, once every three weeks. Okay. Mike Gerhardt's the brew, the head brewer and head distiller there, and that's where we do all our experimental recipes. And it's great because you know you got ten kegs of something. We got a pretty. Uh, high beer IQ regulars in the area now compared to 11 years ago and they yeah. again give us feedback I pull a few kegs off and take it to some festivals and if we can create excitement for that beer and there seems to be interest we'll then extrapolate that batch up to our big brewery in Milton Okay. Uh, so we have Rehoboth Little Pub Little little Distillery Milton, Delaware which is 10 miles north northwest inland uh, of, of our pub our pub's three blocks from the beach on, nice. the, Atlantic, on the Atlantic so we have those two locations. We have the Ale House in Gaithersburg, which there we have a partnership with a restaurant group out of there that does the Baja Fresh franchises okay. for the Mid-Atlantic. And we, we developed a concept that we licensed to them called Dogfish Head Ale House. And we don't have our systems in there, but... It's our wood-grilled menu and concept, our decor, our beers on all on tap. Okay. Each location has a vintage beer cellar with a vintage beer list of one- wow. and two-year-old uh, specialty dogfish beers that are kind of peaking or, or evolving. That's and, a great idea. Uh, yeah, and so it works out really well, and their goal is to have six open by 2010, and they got another one opening. That one's in Gaithersburg in the Maryland side of D.C., and their second one's opening in northern Virginia on that side of the D.C. suburbs in probably two or three months right after the first of the year. That's amazing. From humble beginnings of a 10-gallon brew system uh, and then even your upgraded system, actually a good chance to talk about uh, a couple of your books here. Um, I read your Brewing Up a Business book, which is a fantastic book and a sort of a different look on, on business than your standard textbook, One of the uh, uh, which, uh, which basically gives uh, Dogfish Head as an example of, of how other entrepreneurs might... Uh, Good or bad, I think. Right. <laughs> I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty open about the, the ways we learn by it from our mistakes in that book. And you're right, it's more of... It's written to be hopefully not like a snooty, more approachable yeah. uh, type of business book that says, here's things we did well, here's things we didn't do so well, right. here's what the results were. And that's really the best part of it is, uh, uh, frankly, learning from, from your mistakes. I'm glad that uh, you fucked it up before I did <laughs> in a couple of cases. But one of the uh, of the stories that's that's my favorite in there that I'd, I'd like to have you tell if you could was when you went to the auction uh, of, the, of the cannery and how uh, how it went with the farmers there and how it ended up that you uh, won the auction. Yeah, yeah we uh, that was in '96. We opened in '95 and this tiny little system and I wanted to open as a brew pub because I, I realized it'd probably be less risky because you had two revenue streams a restaurant and a brewery than if we opened as a straight production microbrewery sure. and I'm happy I did you know but now of course most of our beers is, is distributed not through our pubs um, but in 96 you know people say you're from Delaware your third brew you know almost 40,000 barrels of beer in rural Delaware what yeah. the hell it's not St. Louis or Milwaukee that's right beer but 
close to Delaware is two hours from uh, D.C., Baltimore, Philly, close to Manhattan. So it is, it's perfectly situated in a lot of major metro markets. And we started getting all these calls from people in those cities. Hey, where can I get your apricot beer? Where can I get your raisin beer? And we said, oh, cool, let's start distributing. And so we said, we got to, obviously, we outgrown that 10-gallon system. And this cannery went bankrupt down the road from us, 10 miles down. We filled up growler jugs, half-gallon jugs with our beer, took them into the auction and told all the farmers, you know, we will keep you in beer all day long. We brought them all their own dogfish <laughs> pint glasses for while they're, uh, you know, doing the auction. And uh, we'll keep you in beer all day long if you don't bid on those four little stainless steel tanks over the corner. Yeah. And they were, you know, food-grade stainless tanks that the, the cannery must have been using, I think, for cleaning or something that are certainly smaller than their production batch size. So to make a long story short, we got all four tanks, I think, for like 900 bucks or something. I don't even remember. And farmers are all drunk. Yahoo! <laughs> you know, the, the auctioneer definitely knew something, something was rotten in Denmark. <laughs> And so no everyone was silent. No, the place was silent while we bid. And then, <laughs> you know, the farmers erupt in, in, in howls, and they're literally helping us carry these beer, you know, these tanks out to our pickup truck. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So it was a great day. Now, granted, we got the four stainless tanks for 900 bucks, but to put them all together and get the serving tanks, built our little bottom line, our hand capper, I think we spent twenty two, twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 on that next brewery in 96, and then we were brewing 10 gallons, of, or uh, um, five barrels or 150 gallons at a time and we would double batch and I would hand it take us 10 hours to fill 100 cases in our cold room we'd put those into my pickup truck and I'd go to the cities and sell beer and uh, that's really how we started distributing yeah wow yeah. it kind of sounds um, I, there's a there's a couple philosophies with dogfish head and I, when we start talking about the beer I want to get to one of them but the other one with these stories it's, it sounds like uh, creative ingenuity and dealing with what you got is definitely a major theme in yeah. dogfish head I mean starting even the idea to start when you had brewed seven batches of beer I would have called you a lunatic at the time <laughs> you know I would have said hey maybe you ought to brew a couple more I mean were they a good seven batches well no my first one was really good okay. and my second one sucked but by the time I brewed my first one I told everyone oh my god this is what I want to do with my life <laughs> and I didn't want to go back on it even though the second one sucked and I was scared shitless I was like alright I'm committed I'm going to do it Yeah. Uh, and I remember when I went up to Philadelphia I didn't even know when I opened my brewery that there were companies that you know provided barley and hops I thought everyone you just bought it at homebrew stores a bigger volume alright I went up to this shop Home Sweet Homebrew in Philadelphia and bought my ingredients for my first 10 batches and the guy who owns it is a good friend now George Hummel uh, I was like that's a lot of beer you're brewing for yourself and I was like no no I'm over the pub and we're over to Delaware and you know I got everything weird that he had you know beet sugars and Belgian yeasts and wood chips and da 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 because he was selling stuff for the wine industry too Yeah. and he always tells the story that as I was walking out the door he turned to his girlfriend and said that guy's going to be out of business in six months you know <laughs> You know, opening a brew pub with a 10-gallon system, he thought thought that was nuts. But uh, (laughs) we made it through, you know. That's fantastic. All right. So now you have a new book out, uh, which is Extreme Brewing, An Enthusiast's Guide to Brewing Craft Beer at Home. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the deal with the new book? That one, I mean, you know, for us, the Extreme Brewing name, you know, I have some reservations with, but for whatever reason, it's kind of entered into the brewing lexicon. 
we we didn't call it that when we were doing it in 95 or 96 and like I said since we opened our average beer has been 9% alcohol but I think this niche for uh, extreme beers uh, has really expanded within the greater craft brewing uh, niche and uh, and we've been doing it for so long that we're it's nice because we're kind of associated as one of the earlier participants in the extreme brewing niche I always you know so this publisher call I, I think it was a there was a front page story in the Wall Street Journal in I don't know in probably 04 or probably 03 or something by Ken Wells who went on to write his book Travels with Barley great beer book and uh and the story mostly focused on dogfish head, and uh, and that's really when the term extreme extreme brewing went into sort of the mass media. Okay. And he did his chapter on extreme brewing about dogfish head in his book. So to make a long story short, the pub, you know, my other book was selling pretty well, and this other publisher called me and said, "Hey, we we want to do a book called Extreme Brewing, you know, featuring recipes of dogfish head and blah blah blah." Okay. And I said, "Well, you know, I'd be interested in doing it if." It, if it's not just about dogfish head, you know, because I thought that'd be pretty uh, disingenuous to pretend or front like we came up with this concept when, you know, right down the road here, uh, you know, uh, Anchor Steam's old foghorn was that was being brewed before our brewery even opened, uh, you know, celebration from Sierra, hair of the dog up the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we're, while we were one of the earliest, we certainly didn't invent extreme brewing. And I said the other thing, so I'd want to talk about some of that history and the American history going back to you know, Valentine's with their big IPAs in the 50s, and but also I wanted to put it in the context of Belgium, you know, the motherland of of extreme brewing. And so, uh, what I did is, as I wrote the book, I invited four brewers who I think are also doing some amazing, unique stuff uh, to come with me to Belgium to sort of pay our respect to a, a country whose beer culture inspired us as more experimental brewers. So it was myself, uh, Vinny from Russian River, he and his wife Natalie are joining us for dinner tonight, and uh, Rob Todd, who owns Allagash Brewery out of Portland, Maine, making really amazing, mostly to style Belgian beers, but starting to do a lot of wood stuff. Tommy Arthur from Port Brewing, a mm-hmm. uh, great brewer, and uh, Adam Avery from Avery Brewery. Okay. And so the five of us had been friends through festivals and drinking sessions before this. Uh, but I called them up and said, hey, how do you guys feel about this and being part of the book? And they were psyched. And uh, it was fantastic, you know, both to go over there and pay homage to these amazing brewers like sure. Bone and Cantillon that inspired us. And it also made us really proud, proud to, you know, serve each other's beers at these dinners and events we did over there. Three of the brewers we visited and had dogfish and beers, you know, in their in their wow. desk and stuff, and so it was cool to see that we were getting our props as small American brewers over in the country with such great beer culture. Absolutely. So the book, you know, it features recipes from Dogfish Head, some of which I only made once, like blood orange hefeweizen, and uh, uh, you know, a, a, a stone beer that we did where we you know heated up the stones and caramelized oh, okay. the wort. Uh, two recipes, like you know, homebrew versions of Raison d'Etre, Midas Touch, some of our more popular ones. The goal is this book is not for this, you know, the guy is, uh, who's already moonlighting in a brew pub making beer professionally every week. It's, it's a book for 
novice home brewers who want to brew more exciting, more exotic, yeah. exotic beers. So do you include technique as well, not just the yep. recipe? There's okay. well, a little bit, yeah. There's a whole chapter on, on brewing your first batch to make it easy to take you step by step and then applies those steps to each. We even have a, a website, extremebrewing.com, without the E on the front, extremebrewing.com, where you can go and just order the pre-done kits for every ah. every recipe in the book. That's great. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the goal is to make people who are just getting into brewing comfortable with brewing more exciting beers, and it's also not just for home brewers, but beer enthusiasts, and there's sections in there on appreciating beer with all how different five senses factor into appreciating beer. Uh, Garrett Oliver from uh, Brooklyn did a little section for me on pairing chocolate with beer. Okay. A uh, great uh, cheese guy in Boston did a section for me on cheese and beer and how I, I did a section on how to host a beer dinner in your home. So it's for beer enthusiasts and home brewers whereas my first book was more for entrepreneurs and you know aspiring small business people. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so let's use that to start talking about some, some brewing techniques that, that you employ. Um, one of the mainstays of Dogfish Head is, is big beers. In fact, I, I don't know how many people know that you had the strongest beer in the world about two, what, weeks. two weeks before Sam Adams did? Yeah. <laughs> before Jim we went back and forth for a little while and we can get beers to 23% alcohol on a great day. Uh, and then when he got 25 or something on Utopias, we were like, okay, homie, don't play that. <laughs> that was it? Yeah, I mean, granted, yeah, I'd love to, we'd love to say we brewed the strongest beer in the world. Yeah. We can now say we brew more beers at, at or over 15% alcohol than any brewery in the world. Okay. And we could win that thing tomorrow. All I'd have to do is pump a few barrels of beer up to my distillery, run it through there, yeah. pump it back down, but that'd be pretty bad karma, you know? <laughs> uh, so we're happy. And we've also found that our, our, if we look at the websites and the beer advocates and the rate beers of the world, our 18% alcohol worldwide stout was better appreciated than the 23. It just was too boozy. Okay. And our goal, as opposed to Sam Abs, I think they're making some amazing drinks, uh, you know, Utopias and Millennium are worth seeking out for people if you can afford them, but they're more liquor-like, yeah. you know, they're not, and they're and they're presented that way, they're not carbonated, and they're, they're like a great whiskey or a great cognac, whereas we're trying to, Doug Fischetz, trying to make gigantic beers that still taste like beer, Yeah, and I'd say that's the big difference in our approach. Okay, yeah. I think that that ends up being a challenge for home brewers, mm-hmm. so I'd like to talk to you about being able to balance the amount of malt required in a, in a heavy beer um, with hops, with bitterness, with the high alcohol that you're going to get. Is there any tricks that you... you well, I write about in the book a little bit, uh, you know, some easy steps brewers can do to start home brewing to, to get up in, in the ranges over 10, you know, with champagne yeasts, uh, with carbonating stones where you're basically just using like a, a fish tank aerator mm-hmm. to introduce some oxygen into your beer that you know the yeast will appreciate and and uh, be and ferment better a lot of those recipes are augmented with high-quality natural sugars and honeys and stuff because it is very difficult to brew a gigantic beer with you know a, a 1090 you know a gr- original gravity and then try and double hit to brew an 18 percent alcohol beer right out of your boil kettle on your on your stove yeah it's much easier on the yeast and yourself, if you go in, you know, with a 1090 beer into the carboy or a little bigger than that, 
and uh, and just do some dosing of sugar while the beer is fermenting so the yeast doesn't get overwhelmed. Okay. So we talk about that in the book a little bit too. Okay. Uh, so how about an example? Would you do that uh, on a large scale I'm too? Really, every day we do. You it. do. You know, uh, probably every other day we. Uh, um, our beers that get some sugar additions, whether they're from you know raspberries, honey, white grapes, raisins, okay, uh, you know Midas uh, or Midas Touch, you know it's brewed as a beer initially, right. then during the whirlpool, which is after the boil, yep. before the before the beer goes into the fermenter, during the war, whirlpool is where we add our honey, really, because uh, you want that. We want it to be over 180 degrees when we add that honey. But you don't want to boil the honey. No, it, does, it doesn't taste. It doesn't work as well. Okay. Uh, we like to add the honey uh, after the right after the beer is done boiling. Okay. And then that beer is transferred into a fermenter, and yeast is propped. Once the yeast head starts to grow, is when we add our white muscat grape, uh, uh, like a concentrate. Okay. Uh, of white white muscat grapes. Um, so that's that shows you three different points in one beer where they're getting some sugars. And uh, our fort, which is the world's strongest uh, fruit beer, 18% alcohol, brewed with Oregon and Delaware raspberries, it's brewed as just a gigantic golden Belgian ale out of the brew house. All of that raspberry is added during primary fermentation. Okay. So that beer would be about 16% alcohol, 15 if it didn't have the fruit. So that much of the ferment of the alcohol alcohol came straight from the, the fruit in that beer. And a lot of breweries, commercial breweries, uh, when they're making their fruit beers, it's really an extract without sugars, and sometimes natural, sometimes an artificial flavor, and it's being introduced after fermentation, right before yeah. the beer's you know, bottle. That's right. And we feel strongly that using real fruit during fermentation, so the yeast is eating the natural fruit sugars in addition to the barley sugars, yeah. it really effectively weaves the flavor and complexity of the of the fruit into the, the taste and the aroma of the beer. So many of those fruit beers that you try, you smell the fruit and you don't really taste it. Uh, but this way, by, by using this process, it makes the, the fruit component a lot more complex. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, just the, I think the idea that your your fermentation is already going, so the yeast is alive and healthy and hungry, mm-hmm. and you just feed it a different kind of sugar at that mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. essentially, is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, so we do that all, all day long. There's lots of our recipes that, that use that approach. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite dogfish head beer, uh, not just to drink, but to brew also? Uh, to brew. Well, I could be honest, I haven't brewed in like seven months. Okay. Shame. <laughs> I, I, I only <laughs> brew occasionally. I'm involved in the in the recipe concept for every one of our beers that we do, and I usually brew a, a, a first batch with Mike on our five barrel brew house. Okay. But I always joke that I'm proud proud to say, not joking, that I'm the least qualified brewer that works at our company. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm good at coming up with ideas and maybe brewing a, the five barrel batch, but I'm not the guy you want in the big automated brew house that we have in Milton. You know, dialing in the, those you know now hundred barrel recipes. Yeah. Every day of the week, I've got guys that are stronger than I am are working at this company that uh, that, that are better suited for that. Right. Uh, but beers that I love, uh, you know, in my house, in my kitchen, I've got 60 minutes on tap all the time, at least until my, my kids are old enough to get into it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, but if I'm celebrating something, or if I'm having a steak, I, I reach out for our Raison d'Etre, which is a great beef 
friendly beer. Uh, if I'm having spicy foods, I usually go with Midas Touch, which is, again, a little more malty than 60, certainly. Um, and if I'm celebrating some huge milestone at the birthday of or my wife's anniversary, we usually pull out a two- or three-year-old bottle of either Worldwide Stout or our Raison Dextro, which is an 18% version of our Dextro. Okay. So those beers I'm not drinking every day, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. I'm drinking 60 pretty much every day. Okay. That's my vitamin. Through a Randall? No, not every day through a Randall. <laughs> we, we do Randall, which is a machine we, we came up with where it's uh, you're hopping the beer after yeah. it comes out of the keg, and it's the, the beer's running through the hop leaves, so the uh, the alcohol acts as a solvent, strips the natural oils out of the hops, and puts them into your glass. And uh, we use that on Fridays at our pub. We do a Randall Happy Hour. I try to make it whatever I can. We've sold, I think, over three, 200-something Randalls now. To different brew pubs. Different brew pubs, craft micro breweries, bars, and you know, we get pictures, we, we got one of people they built an altar to it in China oh. uh, <laughs> being used wow. in Italy, Australia uh, so we're really proud of, of that, it's just a great way to introduce the consumer to hops and how it changes your beer, and think of it you know, when you think of it, how many consumers actually see what hops are sure. and what it does, so it's an excellent educational tool, in addition to really working and, yeah. and boosting up the hop profile of what you're drinking, right Right. Uh, one of the best uses, uh, I have I have two uh, train, uh, trains of thought about the Randall. Mm-hmm. So one of the best uh, uses I heard you describe uh, was a bar that bought one from you and will change the hop in it. They'll, they'll keep the same beer, mm-hmm. but they'll change the hop in it as a way to educate the consumers about yes, what's different yeah, hops. Yes, which I think is beautiful, and it's an easy way to do it yeah. uh, so that the brewer doesn't have to brew a different beer every time and let people know. So I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Now, my other train of thought then is to ask you, as a brewer myself, uh, I'm curious what you think about the comparison to using a Randall or, say, dry hopping a beer. Mm-hmm. Is it a very similar thing? Are they different things? We get different. We've tried that experiment of let's do, let's figure out what the same dosage that goes to Randall in one keg would be for a whole batch in a uni tank. And we do dry hop all of our IPAs, okay. 60, 90, 120, and our Golden Shower, which is our Belgian, or our... our our uh, Imperial Pilsner all get dry hopped. Our old school, uh, or our Burton Baton, which is our wood aged IPA, gets dry hopped. But we've found it to be very different. You know, we've found there's more perceived bitterness uh, by doing when you're dry hopping, whether or not you're, you're not getting IBUs, but there's more perceived bitterness taste when you're dry hopping versus when you're doing Randall. Right. And Randall is really more of an aromatic. Air, 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 component um, that doesn't give as much perceived bitterness so I'd say that's what the difference is okay uh, one of our one of our uh, what we call expert uh, home brewers on our show he's, he's fantastic Jamil Zainashef he's also a writer um but he, he, he talks to us about, you know, everyone says just because you're putting the hop in at one minute and it's called your aroma hop, mm-hmm. you're, you get bitterness out of every hop you put in. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's a perceived bitterness like you're talking about or an actual IBU, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he tries to tell us, though, to focus on, on... To think about that. Yeah, to think about a, the, a perceived bitterness is really a... It's almost the same thing as an IBU. If, if the flavor makes you think of bitterness... There's no difference. Yeah, yeah, that's what your palate, you know, whether or not the numbers are there, it all boils down to your palate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, 
But our, my buddy uh, Vinny, who's coming down for dinner from Russian River, he, you know, we do this Mupalin Slam, which is East Coast versus West Coast every year. We won the first year, they won the second, and we won the third year. Nice. The first year we won it was the first time ever that I, you know, used this Randall invention, and they gave me so much shit about it. <laughs> you know, a couple of their guys ended up voting for our beer through Randall, <laughs> thinking, oh, no way, they're going to, you know, East Coast Brewery's going to win a hot event. You know? Yeah. And then they regretted it when we won by a few votes. But, uh, you know, Vinny now, for, he makes great IPAs and his double uh, implying and stuff, and uh, he makes a t-shirt that says, uh, uh, no Randall required yeah. on the back. I've seen that, yeah. And, uh, we're such good <laughs> friends that my kids wear them, you know, around the beach in Delaware, <laughs> and they send the shirts. I'm fine with that, you know. So, uh, That's great. And we have a good, friendly, uh, not even a rivalry, it's like a joke, you know, the whole East versus West Coast thing is just yeah. goofy, but it is. we perpetuate it. Yeah, but it's in music, so you might as well make yeah. it in beer, too. Exactly. Uh, speaking of, how's the band? How's the Pain Relievers? Oh, the Pain Relievers. we got two albums out. That's our beer geek hip-hop band. I'm, you know, I always say we're, we're the finest beer geek hip-hop band of our generation. We're also the only beer geek <laughs> hip-hop band of our generation. Yeah. And uh, But we just got actually a call from uh, Rolling Stones reviewing our fort or our worldwide stuff. They like them both. They saw them in New York for their holiday issue, and they someone they talked to there asked about our band, so they asked us to send our, our CDs, so that'd be a dream, even to get a one-star oh, review. Yeah. <laughs> I would take it. How great is that, <laughs> to be in Rolling Stone? Yeah. Uh, so, so, I don't know. At least our beer will make it as a Rolling Stone, but it's, <laughs> it's fun. I mean, we're not great. Brian is a good musician, the lead brewer, who, who he and I are in the band together. He has a nice little home studio that we built, and we have our own little, you know, Dogfish Records company. We put it out on our own little goofy label, and uh, nice. it's just, a, again, more of a, a unique selling component, you know, to go on the road, and we do beer dinners as the pain relievers, and in between each song, we each course, we get up and sing one of these uh, songs. It's just a way to entertain people at the same time that you're educating them, Sure, which we do a lot of. We're not big believers in spending ad dollars, you know. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Rolling Stone editorially says Worldwide Stout's a fantastic beer. That means more to the dogfish, average dogfish head consumer than if we took out a full-page article or, you know, ad in Rolling Stone. I write about that in the book, first book a little bit, that, you know, the consumers for high-end products, whatever they are, today are much more enlightened and much more they understand the hard sell and they're not going to get fooled by it. So for us, we spend more energy trying to attract editorial coverage from the World Wall Street Journals and New York Times of the world and yeah. Stones than we would ever consider advertising in them. It's more credibility yeah, to be written that way. That sort of that uh, unsolicited third-party endorsement means a lot more than a paid, paid ad. Yeah. And you write about that too, uh, about a philosophy for craft beer uh, and uh, certainly for you in particular um, you have realized there's no way to compete um, dollar wise in exposure wise with any of the big three brewing companies so instead you know you find just to go the other route entirely mm-hmm. which is uh, all quality of product mm-hmm. and uh, one thing that was difficult for me to grasp at first was not being afraid to charge more even a lot more mm-hmm. for a beer that was worth more. Right. And and the reason I thought, it, not because it's not worth it, but because it's difficult to convince people um, to pay three times the amount, mm-hmm. um, but you've really embraced that part of craft beer. 
Yeah, and it, it's, a, it's a lot easier now than it was 10 years ago, you know, when we were kind of the only guy in the East Coast at least get, trying to ask for 12 bucks, you know, for an 11% alcohol six-pack in Mordale. You know, we were doing this wood-aged, you know, uh, beer with juniper berries and maple syrup from my dad's farm in 96, and there weren't any other wood-aged wood beers out there, much less beers at 11% alcohol in yeah. the East Coast. So there was a ton of education that went into that because, I mean, even today, uh, and I'll talk about this tonight at the dinner, I'm sure, but, you know, how you look at how much more evolved the wine industry is than the beer industry in that, you know, the average consumer knows that an amazing, you know, bottle of, of Chardonnay, you know, California Chardonnay can justifiably and legitimately cost three times as much as a crappy bottle. Yeah. And it's very difficult. The, the average consumer doesn't have yet that same level of education to treat beer with, with the same respect. Yeah. That an amazing six-pack of Pliny the Elder or, uh, you know, uh, Speakeasy is can justify, you know, being twice as much as the four, the six-pack cans of cheap, generic, you know, industrial lager. Yeah. I just like that you don't shy away from that. I mean, it, it might have been easier. Of course, your profit margin would have been would have been much less too. But it might have been easier to say, "I can't do that. There's no way I can do that because people aren't educated." Right. Instead of saying they're not educated and I can't. It's my job to educate them. Yeah. And so that's what the books, at the end of the day, really also are for me is educational tools. You know, I'm not trying to make a living as a as a writer. And if I did, I'd be in trouble. I'm <laughs> obviously not a very good negotiator in contracts either. But uh, <laughs> but I just enjoy doing it. And again, I can use these as tools both when I talk about business and and when I talk about uh, brewing. And so you know, I'm I'm writing right now a third book called He Said Beer, She said why and all in the context of food and I write how uh, you know beer pairs with different foods and this female master sommelier from the east coast writes how wines uh, you know fare with different foods and again uh, that's our biggest publisher DK Penguin Mm. and that's exciting but I don't think of this as oh my god I hope I sell a lot of books I I think of this as you know this is a great way to get people start treating beer in the context of wine in the context of it it has all the diversity and complexity of wine and uh, that it, it rightfully deserves a place on a white tablecloth uh, yep. the finest restaurants in the, in the world. Doesn't have to be a stepchild forever. No, it does yeah. not. Oh, these dinners are great for that, too. Oh, I bet. I mean, Bruce Patton, I, I've known of him for a couple of years, and he's certainly a, a, a true missionary for the cause. Yeah. Uh, I know Tom. Tommy's done dinners here, and Vinny, and, uh, and you guys have a great beer culture. you got Dave over at Tornado, and everything I hear is that San Francisco's a great beer town. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I know you got to get going. Uh, I just got a couple things I, I, I'd like to close with, um, and those have to do with other people who want to get into the business, uh, get into brewing. Uh, we talk to home brewers every day, and a lot of times we get questions about how to make, the, you know, take the next step and and move forward. So I want to know what beer books um, or, or books of any sort inspired you uh, in your brewing and moving forward, and what advice you would give to a home brewer about to take the plunge. Good, good questions. Well, first I'd say it's a great time to entertain opening a brewery. As strange as that may seem, there's over 1,400 breweries in America. The big three have 85% of the market share. Imports have a big share. We have like 4% share. But the craft segment's growing at 9% a year, whereas overall beer's flat. 
so that we are the fastest growing alcohol segment in the country, even more so than, than wine or liquor. So it's a great time to be getting into the industry as more and more people are getting enlightened and coming over from you know the dark side of, of drinking those industrial lagers. Uh, that's the first thing I'd say. Where would I turn to for sort of inspiration? Uh, probrewer.com is a decent site. It's a good site. Excuse me. Beertown.org, which is the uh, sort of uh, online mouthpiece of our, our trade organization, the Brewers Association, which is also the home of the AHA, American Home Brewers Association. Mm-hmm. And they they publish, and it's just coming out, I think, in next month, uh, a guide to opening your own brewery. So it'll give you some idea of the financials, what it means to open a pub, how, how much money you need to open a brewery. And I wrote, I think, the section in there on uh, opening a, a microbrewery. Okay. And they asked me to write that, and a, a bunch of people contributed different sections and that's definitely I used an earlier edition of that when I was opening my brewery I see. Uh, my, my first book Brewing Up a Business certainly has a lot of advice on things to do and things not to do yeah. to open a brewery uh, Steve Hindy from Brooklyn and Tom Potter from Brooklyn came out with a book called Beer School I think and uh, on Wiley my publisher that's also a really great book that takes you through what worked for Br- Brooklyn and what didn't work for them Okay. Um, so those are the ones I would look at uh, if you're doing a brew pub I would highly recommend Stephen Beaumont's uh, Canadian writer's book Garrett Oliver uh, The Brewmaster Table it's a great book to start thinking about high end pairings of food and, and beer and I would uh I don't know. I know UC Davis down the road here uh, yeah. has a great fermentation school. There's schools like that, you know, that are, uh, you can research online. But I, I think the practical experience is more important. I would recommend instead of throwing all that money into a degree that's going to take years and years, you know, t- save up a little nest egg and approach a brew pub and say, you know what, I will work for you for free for six months in your brewery. Yeah. Uh, and a brew pub usually is uh, it's more of a challenging financial model than microbreweries so they, they're more apt to welcome free labor in their brewery than a big production brewery and it's just a great way to get into the commercial brewing environment and it's essentially an apprenticeship that you're not paying for yeah. they're not paying you but you're learning for free you know That's right. so I would recommend going that route too okay yeah. All right, fantastic. Sam, I appreciate the time. Well, thank you, Justin. Thank you for having me. This is a great idea. And, uh, um, you know, I hope your listeners seek out Dogfish Head. Our goal is to uh, get our beer back into California. We had to pull out because we couldn't make enough on our old system, but we're right now installing a 100-barrel brew house. And our goal is Georgia and California is open in late 07. Really? Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's all dependent on us delivering our existing distributors the beer that yeah. we order, so we can't make any problems. <laughs> Yet, but we've got it in the budget to happen. I think in September and October of '07. So, is there any secret online uh, ordering service? No, I think some people have researched and told me they can buy our beer online. I'm, I don't know. If, if you do that, I would just recommend go with a nine percent over or over beer because I don't know how long that beer has been sitting out there. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend buying our sixty-minute or chicory stout online, but ninety-minute old school. If you can find those on those sites, you know they're only going to get better as they get older. Cool. Okay. Well, I look forward to having your beer on the West, that's for sure. We're getting it there. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Justin. What's funny is, Bruce would say, yeah, I don't brew to stop. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a horse beer. beer, (laughs) The home of live beer radio. 
TheBrewingNetwork.com. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Ugly 
Indiana's Brewcaster Jay here with your competition and events calendar. We'll keep you up to date as best we can here on entry deadlines and upcoming events so you don't miss out. You can send competition and event information to justin at thebrewingnetwork.com and we'll do our best to include it here. First on this week's list is the BN's new movie premiere this Wednesday night, June 13th at the 21st Amendment in San Francisco. Oktoberfest on the Bus was shot last October and toured four breweries around the Bay Area. It's our best production yet and we're excited to have a special premiere event live at the 2 1A. If you're in the area, join us at 8 o'clock for the party. We'll also be simulcasting the event live across the web for you out-of-towners, so don't miss it. Check the homepage for a viewing link on Wednesday. In the competition world, the 20th Annual Southern California Regional Homebrew Championship is on June 24th. The Brewing Network supported this competition last year, and we had a great showing, taking home several medals as the BN Army. Let's show them what we've got again this year. Entry deadline is next week, June 16th, and you can go to hopheads.com for drop-off points and entry information. This is a BJCP certified competition. Also, don't forget that the National Homebrewers Conference is just around the corner, June 21st through the 23rd. This is the largest event in homebrewing, and this year it'll be held centrally in Denver, Colorado. Many of the brewcasters will be there, and you should be too. They're expecting more than 800 homebrewers to gather for one of their biggest conferences ever. For ticket prices and package information, go to beertown.org and click on the conference icon. The Brewing Network competition and event calendar is brought to you today by Fermentap. Better beer through innovation. Visit them to view products and details at Fermentap.com. I'm Brewcaster Jay, and we'll see you next week with another update right here on the Brewing Network. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Everybody, that was uh, Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head. A little interview from him. Do apologize about the audio quality. I just gotten some new equipment at that time, and uh, the tests worked a lot better than the interview. Um, although I do find it interesting that the chat room only had to complain about the audio quality. Of course, I apologize for spending the time with Sam and bringing the interview to you. Yeah, well, uh, the guy that I was just on the phone with, he he had a question. He didn't know that it was it was uh, pre-recorded. Oh, ah, okay. Uh, but he thought it was great. He grew cool. up, I guess, back east, and and uh, and he thought it was really cool. So awesome. The one guy that appreciated it. Ah, that was great. I actually <laughs> totally appreciate it myself. I had uh, um, I I never posted it because of that audio quality issue, and yeah. then I spent a bunch of time uh, this weekend just trying to make it as. I mean, it was a lot worse. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but that made it listenable at least. And I thought Sam was really cool and. Uh, yeah. and, and he had a lot to say about different things, and he's, he's pretty straightforward about a lot of stuff, which we, of course, like around here uh, as homebrewers in general, like when the pro guys are straightforward about things. Uh, like at one uh, point, he was funny. He's like, ah, dude, i got to admit, I haven't brewed in like eight months. <laughs> Sounds like Sully. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but I liked it and uh, happy to bring it to you guys. So, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we're gonna do just a quick wrap up here, and then we're gonna we're gonna cool. We're gonna hightail it. I just want to talk about the anniversary party a little bit more. JP, you had talked to me about a couple of things. I want to know what your favorite part uh, about the whole anniversary deal was. Um, you know, I, I think just meeting everybody. Yeah. You know, it sounds really generic, but uh, just being able to put faces to names and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that was really cool, being able to interact with everyone, uh, taking my pants off in front of everyone. Oh. There were actually, it was the first time I think I removed my pants in front of women and not heard laughter. <laughs> so that was good. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. Um, my, f- the, uh, one of, in the top three was when, uh, producer Shat was throwing up. Um, we were outside and he walked away a little bit, kind of threw up on the ground, walked away a little bit more, threw up on the ground. I was like, Chad, you all right? Yeah, do we have and pictures he, of that? And he turns around with this big, giant grin and a thumbs up. <laughs> then <laughs> continues walking around the corner to continue throwing up. That he's doing. It was great. He, that I'm doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> thumbs up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, too, I mean, the, even though the meeting people thing might sound a little generic, it was uh, not just the meeting all of those listeners thing that was cool, but it was really seeing the community of, of brewers that was, that was really cool and that was the meeting them part that was awesome for me i mean a lot of people came up to me and said you know listen i wouldn't be friends with this person if it weren't for the bn and uh, we wouldn't be hanging out together and brewing together and all that kind of stuff and that's awesome yeah you know and you and i had this conversation a couple times i think uh, with a few people you know the people who 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 get to go out to these events it's just you you know you bond with them on on just a a much different level yeah because you get to see what they're like and their personalities and it's it's really cool yeah you know definitely we got we got john foster on the line tell us about his anniversary show experience and uh, he's the guy who brought you all of that video too uh and also the guy from beerschool.com does that podcast over there john foster what's happening brother so I'm hanging out at Zeitgeist. We've been fishing all day, drinking beer, having a really good time. Now you're with Motor, then. I'm hanging out with Motor. All right. And have you been drinking all day, too? Yeah, since 6 o'clock in the, the a.m. <laughs> you know, the time gets earlier and earlier. Motor first said 8, then 7, That's now six. Foster's 6. Yeah, maybe. We, were, we were drinking in our sleep. <laughs> no, no. No, the thing was, is that we were uh, we we'd recorded an episode of Beer School. Yeah. We did beer before the show. We did beer during the show, and then we went to the after show. All right. And then finally, it was like time to go. Can't drink anymore. Yeah. But we had only because we had to get up and be on the boat at six. Good lord. And so you know, I get to the boat, and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of hungover. I'm kind of not happy, and so the only way to fix that, crack a beer. Yeah, I think John's drunk of the week so far. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, so what did you come away from the anniversary show with? Drunk of the week in like 15 minutes. <laughs> so Motor's going to call in, in drunk 15. of the week in 15 minutes after he finishes his Radderberger. Perfect. <laughs> so, maybe I should just hand him the phone. <laughs> no, that's we got to wrap things up anyway, so tell us. Well, uh, here's, so here's the thing. There, there was two problems with the show last week, and one of them was I didn't drink enough beer because I was working. That sucks. Wait. It does, but you know, somebody had to run the controls and stay on top of it. That's to right. Make sure that the best product is being delivered. I agree, and I thank you for that. Problem number two was. Yeah. I left the show with an with an earwig. Ah, also known in Germany as an earworm. So an earwig, if you if, if you don't know what one is, it's like when the when the, the morning show guys play, my baby takes the morning train. Yeah. From, uh, or the other one, the divinals, I touch myself. <laughs> yeah, go on. 
So anyway. And it gets so, stuck so, in your head is the point, right? So, so the session band played the obvious earwig, which was, uh, baby, baby, why don't we do it? Because we, we're like mammals. Ah, the mammal right? song, yes. The, I like your version the better. Stuck in my head. That was the obvious one, but it was the man song. Ah, the man song is a song that will get stuck, indeed. It's stuck in my head for the entire week. I might have to c- cut out the man song and uh, have it available. Uh, yeah, you you can just have cut out the man song as as a, you know. As the, the song that you play during the break. What are you? You're like on a BART train right now. No, no, I'm in sight, guys. <laughs> All right. Hey, that is a good thing to take away. I'm glad that we stuck a song in your head for a week. Yeah, well, and it might have been, I might have been immune to it if I had been drinking more beer. But That's I was, true. like, pretty sober during the whole thing. That'll do it to you. All right. Exactly. Thanks, brother. Bye. See you. It took him a week to to tell that story too. Well, he's a talker. Because yeah. baby, baby, let's let's do it. Because we're we're like we're like mammals. <laughs> I like his version of the song. I should have sang it like that. <laughs> baby, baby, let's do it. Yeah, you know, because we're like mammals. <laughs> Shat, do you want to explain why uh, the anniversary party is your nemesis? A beer. <laughs> Very good. That's pretty much it. Thank you, Shat. Well, what's funny is about this thing is that, uh, you know, he's like, well, there just were so many beers up on that chalkboard. And Sully yeah, turns and says yeah. to him, you know, that doesn't mean you have to try them all. <laughs> I mean, it's great yeah, to have good. all that beer, but... Got to try them all. Got to try them all. And the same thing, like Couple last times. week, Shat was one of the guys who soiled, who vumpted in my car, in the limousine, you know? Mm-hmm. And this week, you know, or this year, I was like, we're taking Bart. <laughs> and uh Chad soiled the sidewalk out front of the of the bistro. Yeah. Someone else soiled the bathroom too. I was wondering if that was you there. Definitely not. No? Definitely somebody not. else? Well so you That's a mystery guest. Yeah. Who did it? What I if it was know. I wonder if it was Geist. And that it brings me to my next anniversary recap. Where the hell has Geist gone? Splitsville. I think he's just a little nervous of, about, like, maybe he he embarrassed himself, he feels like, for yelling Rat Pad 150 times during Jeopardy. <laughs> but I got to say, guys, don't worry about it, man. We oh, all yeah. get drunk and act like a tard every now and then. I turned your microphone off. It was fine. <laughs> but he's not been in the forum, really. I mean, all he said was he posted a couple things in the forum about where he was, and that was that he went back to the hotel real quick. Uh other than that, I he was he's like a daily poster, and I, he's been just he's gone missing, and I wonder if he's embarrassed if he feels like he shouldn't show his face or something. And Geist, there's no reason for that. Us here at the BN Army, it's like family. You're allowed to act like a drunken tard, like Chad does, and uh, come on back the next week. Nobody, That's right. nobody cares. There's so many beers there. <laughs> That's a great... I love... Chad has, is going to be a great producer because of the logic. <laughs> exactly. Right there. It's just the a lot... man is a thinker. Yeah, why did you puke? Well, there's just so much beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Geist isn't in the chat room. I was going to try to get him a call. He, he was earlier. He oh, was. He, was? he was. He was. Yeah. He checked Oh, yeah. In. And was he, he said, talking? What's up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said, what's up? Bit. And then he left? He said, what's up? Yeah, and then he split. He was like, what? howdy. I'm like, dude, call in. Well, i got to get dinner going. Well, what ha- he goes from like uh, the VN is my life. I'll be yeah. here every single day. Oh, I gotta eat, guys. I've seen you. You, you could you could you could put off eating. For a couple days. <laughs> yeah, you could miss a meal. Yeah, weird. At least eat late. 
All right. Well, if it's because you're embarrassed or something, guys, don't be, man. Nothing. It's fine. If it's because uh, JP and you slept together that night, well, that's a <laughs> whole other thing. Nobody knows no, about no, it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. All right. Let's go to the phones. JP tells me I got another Aussie on the phone, but that's he true. can't understand. Well, you can't. You don't speak I, Australian? No, I can't. I can't hear. It's kind of a bad connection, sort of, and then uh, the uh, whole let's see studio environment. Caller, you're on the air. What's happening? Hi. How are you going? Uh, we're doing great. Who are we talking to? Uh, my name's Mark, but I'm actually Michael's brew bitch. Oh, <laughs> you're Michael's bitch today, huh? Nice. I, no, no, I'm Michael's bitch every three weeks. <laughs> gotcha. Every time when, you guys brew? Whether we're brewing or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, we we brew every few weeks or something, and as Michael said earlier, that we've got a public holiday here. Yeah. Today, so we're, we're brewing a bit later than we normally do. Yeah. So we've had a couple, and we're listening to the show and having a great time, but I've got a few questions because... We're on to the boil, and that's his speciality, but because we've had a few beers, he's passed out. <laughs> and I'm next. Oh, shit. oh, shit. Well, how far into the boil are you? Well, normally we add some green things. <laughs> yeah, those are leaves. Just pick something <laughs> off of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it in there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, no, we've just started. It's just coming up to the boil, and um, we haven't gone to the first edition yet. So. Gotcha. Uh, and what have you guys been drinking while you're brewing all day? Well, we've, well, to be honest, we're drinking the leftovers of what came back to us after a local competition. Oh, okay. So you got a lot of beer then, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the judges liked it too well. <laughs> yeah, like, take this home, please. Yeah. Did you guys enter beer and they sent it back to you? Is that, that what you're saying? That's never happened yeah. before. <laughs> well, it, it normally doesn't happen to us, but this particular um, competition, they pride themselves on the, on returning your bottles to you. Oh, that's oh, cool, yeah. I see. I thought and maybe they even leave some of the beer in it. Gotcha. I thought maybe you guys were even worse brewers than I am or something. <laughs> Here, look, uh, we're not going to drink this, guys. You drink it. Okay. <laughs> uh, how'd you guys yeah. do in the competition? Uh, we picked up a. Um, we, actually, we picked up beer of show with a um, with with a uh, pilsner. No shit, that's great, man. Yeah. Well, best it's, of show, um, actually. Yeah, thank you. All right, yeah. congratulations. Uh, we're, we're, thank you. This is so the, the brew with, that we're doing today is actually the um, the last one of the competition season. Ah. So we get to brew our own stuff for the next few months while it's cold here, and we're just trying to work out how to warm up the um, the ferment because it gets a bit cold and the freezer never kicks in. Oh yeah, you yeah, guys. So you we, I mean, of course, we're moving to lagers. So have you got? Oh yeah, you could you could do that too. But uh, have you got? Do you have access to Firmwrap? You ever heard of that firm product? Wrap. Firm wrap is this great little it's piece an of. Well, no, not really. It's just it's like a piece of cellophane, but it's got all of these just wire heat like heated coils running through it. It's just a really thin piece of plastic. It's cheap. What are they, JP? Uh, I don't think they do because it's a uh, different voltage. I'm still telling them about it. What's the price on uh, those things? I don't know that. Thirty uh, bucks. I think they're yeah, not e- maybe not even thirty bucks. But you could get an adapter anyway. If you could find oh, it, it's yeah. called Firm Wrap. If you could find that anywhere, it's awesome because you just plug it right into your uh, whatever your temp controller is, and it'll change the temperature uh, up to like fifteen, seventeen degrees. So. That's a good thing to warm things up. That's what I use. Yeah, again, this is one of these metric imperial conversion problems. Yeah. Because to me, 17 degrees is pretty cold. <laughs> no, no, I mean there's a 17 from ambient. Like, so if you're at, like, if you're at zero oh, degrees, seven, you could warm it up up to 17 degrees above ambient. 17 numbers. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that's probably a little bit more humane than my idea was to steal a few of the neighbor's cats and pop it into the freezer for the night. I like that idea even better. <laughs> you're, you're really hitting a nerve with JP, too, because he loves his cats. He's a big sissy cat boy. I like cats. <laughs> but I'm with you on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hey, you guys have a good brew day, and thanks for the call, man. We're having a great day. Thanks good. very much for having me on. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Talk to you later, mate. Cheers. See ya. Hey, we should have sent them to look for Oz. Yeah, go find out. Go see if you can find Oz's body somewhere. Yeah. He's laying in a ditch. Some some kangaroos are living in it. <laughs> Hollowed it out. <laughs> There's, you could fit a lot of uh, kangaroos in uh, Oz's carcass. <laughs> He's not a small dude. All right. Um, I think that's about it, kids. We're going to get out of here. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Thanks to Sam Calagione for spending time to do that interview with me. And uh, it'll I'll keep it in the archive, even though it's against my better audio judgment. But you could hear what's happening, so that was good enough yeah, for me. Yeah, I, I think it was fine. End, so. I think it was fine. Enjoy that, everybody. We are back next week, and I think we're back with Sean Paxton and a Roquefort show. He has a great uh, Roquefort clone recipe and a whole process that he's got lined up and this whole thing. So part of a, maybe a clone series that we're going to be doing, and I think that's next week with Paxton. Cool. And then the week after that, we're at the NHC. Uh. So you can expect some kind of audio from there, although there won't be a Sunday show. I don't know what the audio will be yet. Some sort of audio. I don't know what I'm allowed to do. Probably much like the Calgione interview. <laughs> yeah, I'll do more interviews in the bathroom from there. And that's going to do it. Um, don't forget, this Wednesday, which is the 13th at the 21st Amendment, 8 o'clock, world premiere of our new uh, new video. And I'm real proud of the video. It is uh, Oktoberfest on the bus with the 2-1-A. We'll actually be streaming it across the web, simulcasting to all of you folks at home, starting at 8.30. You should be able to tune into the live cam at 8 o'clock when we'll all be getting there and hanging out. We'll do a little intro to the movie. And then we'll cut to the film for you guys. You'll be able to watch it at home. So that's this Wednesday. If you're in the Bay Area, join us at the 2-1-A. Where is it, JP? Uh, 563-2nd Street, just two blocks from AT&T Park. Thank you very much. Uh, that will be at 8 o'clock. Film shows at 8.30. But all that has changed. <laughs> 2-1-A now has cans. <laughs> Wake up, Sully. Change me! <laughs> And uh, also don't forget, there are books, podcasts, and shirts available in the store right now. Jamil's book, uh, Jamil Palmer book, rather, is uh, on pre-sale right now. It's Brewing Classic Styles. You can get a signed copy for nineteen ninety-five. So get your book. They're shipping in November. Buy Brew Your Own Magazine. You can do that right off of our website. Click the link that shows up on the homepage. And by doing that, you help us a lot. Also, by clicking those other ads that are on the page. Some of them rhyme with frugal, and other ones are just uh, banners that run through there. Click on all that stuff. It helps us, and some of it doesn't cost you a dime. Ooh, I like that. that. Yeah, it's very cool. All sorts of ways to uh, keep us going and keep bringing stuff to you. Thanks, everybody. We're back next week. Have yourselves a good one. Enjoy The Sopranos tonight.